In a world where combat sports changes on a dime, two men cover the happenings of it all. What's up, everybody? Professional Wrestling. We said the wrestling world was going to change. CM Punk is all elite, and honestly, it couldn't have gone better. I think it's possible that Goldberg beats Lashley and that Big E beats Goldberg. Because I don't see Big E beating Roman. I thought ROH was a pile of crap. I think corporate ROH is gross. First of all, the Nick Gage entrance is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. The Edge deal is up next year. Do you think he gets here AEW if he's still healthy? I think that he's a WWE lifer, honestly. Don't forget that the only reason WWE cleared it to begin with was because AEW was going to and they were trying to sign it. Mixed martial arts. And I think everything leads towards Sandhagen, but I I don't know. I think TJ could surprise some people. I'm choosing Sandhagen, um, especially with his last two performances. The Aldermaine Sterling and Piotr Jan running that back and the winner of this should definitely get the next title shot. I thought Connor looked fantastic with the kicks. When he got rocked with punches, he went for the guillotine. That was the stupidest move. You hear Dustin after the fight admitted though that there was like a second there where he was like, oh god, he might have me. Do you think Peña has a chance against Man Nunez? The card isn't very good in my opinion. Even the undercard I don't think is that great. Wayne, Gon, and Lewis could potentially be really boring also. That's possible. Definitely. Boxing. Jake Paul by knockout, probably pretty early. It's pretty telling when uh, Jake Paul was like, let's put up our purses against one another and Woodley wouldn't do it. I think Tyron Woodley's going to win this fight. He's going to throw combinations at Jake that Jake hasn't seen yet. First off, I'm going to say congratulations to Tyron Woodley for making $2 million. I would like to see Vitor and Jake, because I think Vitor would beat Jake's ass. Left by a while, so funny that this is the boxing people talk about most instead of the best boxers fighting. This is what boxing has become. The promoters have not allowed the best fighters to fight the best. They protect their own interests, they protect their fighters, and they never let the best fight the best. And there's multiple champions in the same weight class, and they still won't fight each other to unify the belts. And this is what has allowed YouTubers to come in and take over the sport. And much, much more. I have them this weekend. I'm just going to let the board fall to me. Dalvin Cook, Zeke, CMC. Hopefully I can get one of those running backs. I did my draft tonight, as y'all can see with my Viking jersey on. You have like your really, really top tier wide receivers, but then there's a pretty big drop off. They didn't speak English. So like the UFC like wasn't getting them title fights as fast as people who did speak English. It absolutely was happening for, for a time in the sport. The reason why I brought that up though is because of the Stephen A thing, because I think it's a moronic, a moronic viewpoint to take. Yeah, I mean, we just saw Andre Arlovsky show up on AEW Dynamite. Like, I, Not only that, we've seen Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky. We've seen Cejudo on Dynamite. We've seen Vitor Belfort on Dynamite. We've seen Jorge Masvidal yeah. and Amanda Nunez. Like, it just, like, the fact that Tony Khan actually just did that. Fightful, 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 Steven Jensen. Yeah, that's the stuff I got going on. Uh, fightful Select Weekender Podcast. Support Fightful and Fightful Select. Doug from RBD Tito for Life. Are we having fun yet? Because this thing has just got taken to a completely different level. Straight, straight from YouTube.com. Live rounds. The Marksmen have arrived. Have arrived. Watching live rounds with Doug and Steven and being introduced to you by the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to Live Rounds, episode 49. We are one away from 50, Stephen. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, we it should be a full show today with Stephen and I. Get back to the flow of things. Um, sorry for the, the hangups, but I appreciate Brandon for stepping in last week. He definitely delivered a good show. We had a lot of good conversations. Really going in deep about New Japan and AEW and, and things like that. So I definitely enjoyed his perspective. And uh, how are you doing tonight, Stephen? Doing well, doing well. Still adjusting uh, to the schedule of the new job and those kind of things. But happy to be here, do a full show tonight, go till about midnight my time, and uh, get up early for work again. But I'm looking forward to talking about MMA and pro wrestling with you tonight because there's a lot to talk about. And uh, I mean, Good, bad, and ugly when it comes to MMA and uh, yeah. and boxing. I mean, there's there's a lot in this past week that we could talk about in combat sports. So, uh, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm I'm definitely happy to be uh, doing the show. How you doing, man? I'm good, uh, guys. Just in case you haven't noticed, there's a couple of new things that they've added to YouTube. One, we were able to add the thanks feature. So now. If you're listening, um, a lot of people check this out when it's not live. And if you guys want to support the channel, which we always appreciate, you can donate by just clicking on that thanks and picking an amount and sending it our way. So I would definitely appreciate that if you guys are able to donate that way. As always, you can donate through Super Chat um, and we'll answer your questions live. There's also uh, kind of the new way they've done comments. So they have like a top comment just like on the right corner and it's a lot easier when you click on that, all the way to like just to do a comment is like right on the right hand corner. You don't have to scroll all the way down anymore. So please leave a, a comments about the show, what you like, what you didn't like, uh, discussions, anything like that. So I would definitely appreciate it if you guys would leave a comment. And as always, smash that like button, especially when we're live. That way it tells YouTube to promote this, to keep it going, and we can get more views and more attention to it. So I'd appreciate it. You guys smash that like button, leave comments. And if you feel like donating, definitely appreciate that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Trevor in the chat. I've had a few people ask me about this lately. I'll just address it real quick. I, I was doing podcasting and video editing work uh, full time for the last like, couple of years and with a little part time work mixed in. Um, but I, I just had a, a work from home job opportunity that I would have just been I would have been really foolish to not pursue it. I'll just put it that way. Like it's a, it's a good, it's a good job. It's, it's from home. It's work that I can do. Um, and it doesn't stop me from doing this. I can do this show. I can do my shows at Fightful still. So all the stuff that you, you usually hear me do, like it's not going to affect any of that stuff. It's just been getting adjusted to like waking up earlier and going to sleep at a different time and like just kind of working things in. But, um, but like just, for any, everyone to know, like, I'm, I'm not going to stop doing the weekender and all that stuff. Like, I'm just adding more to uh, more to what I do each day. Let's put it that way. For sure. I mean, I have a full-time job as well. So this is both just a thing that we do on the side, try to uh, make as successful as possible. And like I said, we always appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, usually, you know, the crowd likes to hear about pro wrestling first. Let's go ahead and get into that, and then we will uh, talk later on about uh, what happened at UFC 274 and all things MMA there. Um, I guess we can just jump right into Backlash and the Cody Rhodes topics and all that stuff. So overall, I thought Backlash was a pretty good show for the uh, 
for the WWE audience. You know, I, I think it was a good show just in general, but I mean, it's definitely like, it's funny to me, you know, cause WWE fans will be like, Hey, backlash was actually pretty good. Like they're always surprised when they get a good show, which to me is just a, a, a sad sign, but <laughs> that's just this, what they are. Right. Um, but like Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, I would, I would say is just, was just a great wrestling match period. Like it, it, it definitely delivered. I can tell that Cody is far more energized in what he's doing. And that's no shot at AEW. And, and this is kind of like what I wanted to talk about when it comes to Cody is the fact that like, I think if you listen to stone cold's podcast with him, which was really great. And you start adding everything up. What what I just think in general is he got pinned down to be a mid Carter in AEW due to his fault because he didn't want to be he didn't want to get the heat that that his dad got as a Booker and as his champion so he automatically made that move and then the EVP role great role when he's ready to retire and he wasn't ready to do that and by going to the WWE he can just try to be the best wrestler in the world right. No drama, just going in and just going for it. Being one of the top guys that's just trying to get the top prize in the business. And in AEW, he pigeonholed himself there. And and like he says, it, a lot of it's his fault. So I think while everyone's just digging about like, oh, him and Tony Khan got in this big fight or this or that. I think really just what it comes down to was is he wants to be the top guy in the business competing for the top prize in the business in his eyes because, you know, it's the belt that his family never got. So I, I just think that the Cody Rhodes mystery has pretty much been solved for the most part. And then I have my opinions on why it works in WWE, but do you have anything extra to add there? No, not really. I mean, I think that's all pretty much kind of exactly what has unfolded with him. Like, you know, I haven't seen the full Steve Austin interview yet. I'm actually probably going to watch it tonight after the show as I'm like kind of laying down. I've been I've been putting it off just because like I know I'm going to I'm going to definitely watch it. You know, I'm definitely, you know, being a Cody Rhodes fan and all. But right. I uh, I think that that, you know, I've seen him like quotes from him lately about like, you know, Arn Anderson not wanting him to be a mid Carter and, and him saying he doesn't want to be you know, like a 12 time TNT champion and like all these kind of stuff, all the kind of stuff. And it's like that, that totally makes sense. Like, you know, he, the whole EVP thing just wasn't for him at this time. Just like you said, I think he just basically, if he wants to do that later in his career, he can, but right now he's, like he's in like the absolute prime of his career in like every sense of the word. Like he yeah. is, you know, physically he's at his best promo wise, uh, presentation wise, the, how over he is with the audience. Like this is, so it, it's like, I can't blame him for wanting his right now while he can get it. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's got a small window, just like so many other professional athletes do. How many running backs, running backs in the NFL do we talk about that, you know, have like a two year career, as superstars and it's like they had to capitalize on it like that's like because yeah. you know it could it could be short cody could get hurt you know next month and like it all just goes away like i think he's got to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in wrestling right now 
he has the rest of his life to, to do other stuff within wrestling or outside of wrestling. But I think it's really cool. And I think it shows through kind of like we're, we're saying, like you've alluded to it a little bit already as well. Like, and I don't, you know, I, I don't like the, I don't like it as much in the WWE for like obvious reasons. Like it's like, it's, it's, it is weird to see. And it isn't, I think there's a ceiling there because of like the, the, but his matches with Seth have been very, very, very good. Like I, yeah. I really like the matches. So it seems like Cody is hitting on all cylinders. It's just a matter of like, are they going to go all the way with him? That's the big thing. Like, will he actually become the world champion? If he doesn't, right. then it's like, as a fan, I think that's a big letdown. But if yep. he gets it, then it's like him leaving AEW is worth it. Him, you know, doing everything he's done to this point is worth it. If he gets that title belt, in my opinion, um, right. for him and for fans like myself that, are, you know, really want to see it happen. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think we're both definitely like totally on the same page as kind of why we both kind of think it makes sense for Cody to be in the WWE right now. So, and, and this is what I kind of want to say is like, I think the Cody Rhodes that's in the WWE right now is pretty much the American nightmare from the Bullet Club, from AEW. I think he's the same guy. And I think that he comes across as authentic and nobody else really does in that company. And it's funny to me that for WWE to get a guy that comes across in a different way, that's more relatable, that people immediately like and all that, they have to get an outsider. Because if they take something from their own, it doesn't work, right? So with Cody... Like, who in WWE is staying after the show signing autographs and taking pictures? You know what I mean? Like, right. He's doing selfies and He's doing thing. selfies. Yeah. He's talking to the crowd after the show. Like, it's the same Cody that was in AEW. Like, that's pretty much what it is, but with a much bigger audience. And I just think that they have nothing else that is believable that could face Roman Reigns and beat him than Cody. So I don't know how long they want to continue the Seth Rollins thing. I find it insane that they're going to do another match, probably held in the cell. And if Cody loses that, then like all this is for nothing. Right. And then the, it's so obvious the money match is Cody and Roman and I believe that if they build the story up enough of like where Cody is trying to win the title for his family's legacy, then this could be something that the crowd could really get behind and almost demand to happen. Just like with Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan in the WWE with Triple H and, you know, the authority and all that, just like Kofi Mania, where like the crowd just demanded it to happen where they just kind of take a hold and and the WWE just has no choice because it's like, this is just the right thing to do. Um, I feel like that that could be Cody. But to me, it was all it was all laid out, right? Like Cody faces Seth Rollins at Hell in the Cell. Whatever happens, it doesn't really matter because he's going to be in Money in the Bank. He wins the Money in the Bank and then he challenges Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Like this thing is is a done deal. And then Cody's doing the promotional uh, trailer for Money in the Bank, which, I mean, already right off the bat, right? And he's talking about the winner gets to headline WrestleMania. 
Right. When yeah. the hell did that happen? Yeah, like, I saw a lot of people online like trying to figure out if that meant it had to be at WrestleMania now or if that was just like did it like I don't I can't imagine that was an oversight like that like they accidentally I, like, I don't think that. so. Yeah. I think it's like the new rule that like if you win money in the bank then you are going to be headlining WrestleMania. And the terrible part about that was Money in the Bank was supposed to be unpredictable. It was supposed to be like you could get a title shot at any time. And then now, what does that mean for Royal Rumble? Because Royal right. Rumble would be you're supposed to headline WrestleMania. So that that doesn't really add up to me. Um, but it makes me wonder if, like, are they going to wait all the way till Mania to do Cody and Roman? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like we say, they have nothing else. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could I could even see them somehow. I don't know. I didn't see the promo to be to be fair, like the commercial about mm. Money in the Bank with Cody. So I don't know how he said that, but I. It's one of those things where I could see the story being that Cody wins Money in the Bank and he cashes it in and says, "I'm calling my shot right now." Like I'm main eventing WrestleMania. Like I don't need to carry this briefcase. I'm not going to cash it in. I'm main eventing WrestleMania, but if he was going to do that, I don't know why they would have like given it away. Well, I shouldn't say that they do that kind of stuff all the time. So like, right. Um, you know, we're seeing, I mean, I've watched the WWE like, like maybe five times this calendar year. And I think I've seen the same matches almost every time I've watched the show. Like you just see the same thing over and over, but sometimes it's good. You know, like I actually thought backlash was a good show. Cause once again, I haven't seen the product since WrestleMania. So I just went yeah. from a show that I thought was good to another show that I thought was pretty good. Um, right. It was just a lot of the same stuff. But yeah, um, but yeah I, when, when it comes to Cody, you know, I feel like he, I, he just, I don't know. He has, he has to beat Roman for the title. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like if he doesn't, I just feel like it's a giant, a giant disappointment. Um, but it's not even like something that like just you and I want because we're fans. It's something that just business wise makes sense too. It's not just something that we're biased and this is what like they have nobody else. And Roman and Cody built up for like, let's say three, four months. And then you put that thing on SummerSlam or whatever. That is a huge match in a stadium. Like that would be a huge match. So I, I just think that it's just staring them in the face. Like if you don't do this, this is just another huge ball drop that you guys have done because what would be the benefit otherwise to just keep Roman champion? Like what is the point in that? You know what I mean? Yeah. They gotta, I mean, we've been saying it for years that they have to have some, I don't think that they, I don't think they have had a long-term plan as to who's going to beat Roman Reigns. I think they're still trying to figure that figure that out. But I think Cody being available is probably like the way they they had such a I'm going to put this in a words like how like kind of lucky they got that Cody became a free agent and actually yeah. wanted to go back because like you said, there's really nothing else that they no one else that they built and. It, it's not it's not any of their doing we've said that so many times before about so much stuff for for years and years it's like they're this is it's something completely authentic that somebody else created that is now it's now going to work on the wwe product but like vince 
Vince's vision of Cody was stardust and dashing and all this other stuff, mustache and all this other stuff. So it was like, you know, and, and it just goes to like the bigger overall point of like, why aren't they just letting more guys do these kind of things? Like, why, why, yeah. like, why is the show so bad when they're shoving just stuff down our throats when these guys and girls can go out there and be creative and, you know, make the show way better being themselves or at least having a lot, a lot bigger say in it. So, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, I am worried that, that Cody's going to lose to Seth and Hell in a Cell because otherwise I don't know why they do this match three times. Yeah, but, I agree. But at the same time, like, what was – it's just so counterproductive. Like, yeah. imagine – I mean, just imagine Cody getting into that same that same 50-50 spot that that Owens and, and Rollins and all those guys just have sunk into. It would just be sad to see. I, it's totally possible. But absolutely. I mean, this is not a done deal at all yet. Like we do not know where this is going, but it just makes so much sense for Cody to be undefeated going into face Roman at SummerSlam. Like this is just a no brainer. This is, this is like day one basic stuff. And if they don't do it because they're stubborn or they want to do it their way or whatever, you know, he still needs to pay his dues in WWE or whatever they decide to do. Like, it's just dumb. It's just flat out dumb. Yeah. And and honestly, like, I'm not watching Backlash if Cody isn't signed with the WWE. Like, I'm not, I'm probably not even going to WrestleMania if Cody doesn't sign with the WWE. So it's like, I know there's people like Bill. Bill is watching WWE because of Cody. Very begrudgingly, but he's yeah. doing it. You know what I mean? And I feel like there's a lot of people right now that way. And it's like, if you want to keep them in your good graces, don't you screw this up. That would be a terrible idea. Well, And it's also a terrible idea if you want any chance of doing this over and over again. Because I've said that a little bit more recently, a little more often as well. Like, WWE could very well just be in the business right now of, like, just trying just trying to create, just get one or two stars out of hundreds of people that they're going to try to put through that performance center and NXT 2.0 and, and level up and stuff. Like if you can find like one Braun breaker, maybe one other guy who they feel like they can really push like long-term, if you get like one or two guys out of that, but you're in here, cause you can see the, the trend, like they, they put these people on level up and before it was 205 live and they hire them for like six months, nine months or whatever. And like, they're gone. And like, you know, if they, if they don't, if they don't make a big impression and they're going to do something with them, they pretty much just get rid of them like right away now, it seems. Yeah. And, and if they can get just a couple stars out of that performance center scene, but they can every so often get people that are established in AEW to come over and immediately be stars for them. Like that, like they're pretty much letting AEW do their own developmental for them. And that's a pretty good situation to have too. Like as far as like, you know, Stu Grayson not resigning with AEW. I think he has potential to go to AEW. He could go to WWE. Like he has a good look. He's really good in the ring. Like he might have a career in the WWE and he can call Cody and he, you know, he'd have a link to getting into that company, I'm sure. So like, you know, I think think there's going to be other people that have to make that decision. Like not all of them are going to jump, but like, you know, Kenny Omega is going to have to make that decision. The Young Bucks are going to have to make that decision. You know, a, a lot of Danielson is going to have to make the decision again. Mox is going to have to make the decision again. Jericho, 
Like there's other people that like, they're going to see how Cody's getting treated. MJF. I mean, that's the, the real big one. MJF and Jade Cargill. Like, I, I think Wardlow's starting to Wardlow. be a big one. Wardlow, another because, good call, yep. I mean, if I'm Vince McMahon and I'm watching what's happening right now with AEW and Wardlow, like, I'll, I'll give you a blank check, bud, because I can take you and make you my guy. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's going to be interesting because I think what problem with Wardlow is always going to be is, like, AEW is more of a indie wrestling-type company where it's like really about that ring style and they don't want like a batista type to be the guy for a very long period of time like i think he could be a champion for a little bit but i don't think that they would i think that they would start to turn on him if he became the guy for a long period of time so if you're wardlow Business-wise, it might make more sense to go to the WWE where you could be, like, the guy. Um, And and there is a link there with Cody. Like, Cody's the one that gave him a shot in AEW. So, it's interesting. But, like, I keep telling people, like, I love this. I love the idea of guys jumping ship. I honestly do. I think it's made – WWE is so much more interesting now with Cody in it. Yep. And AEW is so much more interesting with Brian Danielson in it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, keep it going. I I don't know about Stu Grayson because I'm not sure about his age because I, I I know they've been around for a long time and I, they don't seem too too keen on taking older guys. Plus, I think they're more interested of, of the big names. I think they want to take big names and be like, they came back. We 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 got them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And I, and I honestly think, I 100% think if, if John Moxley wanted to leave and go to WWE, he would want to be John Moxley. He would not want to take the name Dean Ambrose. And that would be a very, very tough thing for Vince to, to agree to. But I wouldn't put it out of the question. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that would be almost as, I mean, Cody going back is probably the least – uh, or I'd say the most, sorry, the most surprising, like the least likely. I think like if you would have told me day one AEW, who of the people starting this no company way. would go to the WWE first, I would never have picked Cody. But like Moxley is pretty damn close, if I'm not going to lie. Like he seems to yeah. love his life right now. He gets to be GCW champion and take indie bookings and like do whatever he wants. Like it, pretty sweet, pretty sweet life. That And of course, Renee at home and everything. Like he's got, he got a pretty sweet, thing going for him but for sure. but never say never i mean jericho talks glowingly of tony khan says that tony khan will run the wrestling business in like what five years or ten years or whatever he said and right. i i wouldn't put it past him going back to vince for one more run at some point no I mean, like it's totally possible a hundred percent and if you're if you don't think that then you're fooling yourself like this is a business at the end of the day and I, I honestly think Cody going back to the WWE would get Jericho thinking. Like, hmm, maybe. Like, all I'm doing here is I'm feuding with Eddie Kingston, and then what's next after that? Am I going to keep going on the undercard? Am I going to be the opener again at the pay-per-view? Like, where, where are my plans here? Have I wore out my welcome? But it's also like, do you still want to be the guy? Like, you're you're getting up there, man. Like, is, are you just looking to have meaningful matches, but it doesn't have to be the top spot, you know? Cause I think 
that's probably more where he's at now than wanting to be the guy. I personally think that Le Champion run or whatever, that was it. Like, he'll never be a champion of the company in either one, WWE or AEW again. Like, he might be a TNT champion, a tag champion or something, but I don't think he'll ever be the guy again. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right. It's Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing with, with all of this is who fits in best where. And for someone like Jericho, like, he's got a really good position in AEW. Like, and he'll always be the first ever AEW champion and everything. But it's here with Cody. He only has so long to try to, you know, accomplish his goals and who, who will work best where. Like, I, I, I would like to see more people jump as well, like you were saying. Just, I mean, it'll make things a lot more interesting. Um, yep. especially if people have that kind of leverage. Like, I mean, the amount of leverage Cody had was like unprecedented. Like what yep. he probably worked into that deal to go back, especially because like, he's still basically promoting AEW on his social media and stuff. And like, he's, he's basically, I, they, it seems like he's being able to get away with things that most wrestlers wouldn't like you hear wrestlers getting in trouble for like mentioning wrestlers and other companies sometimes on Twitter. Yeah. And Cody's like, retweeting aw merchandise and wrestlers and the whole so which i love by the way obviously I don't have any problem with that but you know and i could see maybe like a jericho or, or someone like that an ftr or something like that going back and being like we want to come back and we know what could potentially happen to us booking wise but we want this amount of money and this kind of freedom too like we want to make sure like if, if we if they if they can start having the kind of leverage to work things into their deals but then the the problem with that is the homegrown you know kevin owens i say homegrown like like wwe fans that want to stay with the wwe and haven't had an opportunity to go elsewhere some of these guys like kevin owens and finn balor and aj styles and stuff i'm sure they'll be happy for their friends doing these kind of things but there's also got to be a part of them that's like like i decided to stay here throughout all these contract negotiations and like now the people they're bringing back after they quit are like getting the pushes you know, right. like, so I, that, that could become interesting too, potentially Cody's a little different because like, that's one guy and he has, like, he's friends with all these guys. Like he, he, you know, when Owens was coming into the company, Cody was kind of leaving, but they have like a strong bond and the whole story about, uh, you know, uh, Steen setting him up with the young bucks with Cody yeah, yeah. and everything. And there's, you know, so I think Cody fits in really well. Cause like, these are like his guys anyways, but it'd be interesting to see like an MJF or a Jade or a Wardlow or something like that come in and get like a big push over the people that were deciding to stay. Just, you know, just throwing it out there. Like it could be interesting to see that, how, how that could, because I remember back in the day when WCW, ECW, WWF were, were all together at the same time or, or against each other at the same time. And you would hear about that in the locker room where like they'd bring over from someone from WCW and they'd be like a total outcast like Jericho or Big Show and stuff. Right. I think it's. I think times have changed a little bit since then, but you know, there there might be a little bit of that still left. You know, competitiveness and stuff like that. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. Well, and especially like back then, it was like you're trying to put us out of business. You're trying to hurt my family. You know yeah. what I mean? So they took it more personal. And I think one thing that I've noticed too is in the Cody podcast is I mean he mentions Jericho just along with the EVPs. Because yeah. I really think that he was such a crucial part of launching AEW. And it's like Cody views AEW as very proud of what they accomplished. 
and now it's established and everybody's going to be able to eat. And it's, it's kind of like with Jericho, like he could easily leave and go to the WWE and say the exact same thing. Like we got it off the ground, very proud of what it is, but I just had unfinished business here or whatever, you know what I mean? So I, I just think it's interesting. Like, I think anything can happen. That's really, that's really where I'm at though. I I don't, I don't think anybody's completely loyal to the fact that nobody would jump ship and we don't really know that what the future of TV looks like and those deals and all that stuff. And so it'll be interesting, you know, and I mean, not, not saying that like Tony Khan um, father would pass away anytime soon or anything like that, but like, Tony Khan and his sister are the ones that are going to get the money. Like, this guy is going to have eventually more money than Vince, and it's not even going to be close. So then what happens there? Like, there's just a lot of interesting factors that in the future, when Vince is gone, Tony will still be around and be far more wealthy. What, what happens at that point, you know? Yeah, and I also wonder at what point, like, I don't know if, if you will do this, but at some point I could see Tony Khan, like, you know, getting out of the Jags and getting out of that soccer club and, like, just dedicating his billions of dollars to just AEW. Because, like, I it feels like that's really his, like, that's his passion project is AEW. Like, I, yeah. you know, I, 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 it looks like he loves being involved with other sports stuff, but... When you see him in like the in like the club, uh, the the box, the boxes with the Jags, or during like um, the draft, uh, the draft room and stuff like that, he looks like he's kind of like stressed out, like he's like he's working, you know. Right. When it was when it's AEW, I know it's like that when he's when you know there's a lot to do to make the show come off how he wants it to come off. But when you see like he's hugging the wrestlers and he's coming out and crying and, and yelling i mean he loses every time i've gone to aw live he's lost his voice completely by the end of the show trying to thank the fans for being there i mean he's like he's super passionate about this so right i mean so Noah, to to your point that's i mean that is a really good point obviously we don't know uh when that day will come and we're not like obviously hoping that uh, oh Sean no no no, no 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 I, I'm, I'm not saying that that's not at all how it came across i'm just saying like that is something that that's interesting to think about, though. Is like one day he will inherit all of that himself, and like yes. what will he do with that money? Probably put it a lot in AEW, so right and Ring well, of Honor, whatever else he's involved in. Right. Well, and then it's like with the WWE, with when, when Vince is eventually out of it. Let's just say hypothetically, it's being run by Nick Khan or whatever. At that point, this is a just a business, like. There is no like actual love or passion for what they do. This is about what best deal can I get and how can we keep making this company bigger and better and all this. So I just think that when you have someone that's going to have more money, more passion, like the whole nine against somebody that's just running this thing like a business, it, it, it could be a it could be a big difference, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting to think about. It's wild how we don't have to go down this whole rabbit hole, but it's wild how, I mean, even just like five years ago, 
it didn't even seem possible that like we oh. could ever be talking about another company that nope. even was on a level like this or that someone would be involved in owning a company that would be like it just seems so out of, when you and bill were doing shows on this channel yeah. it was i mean it was just accepted that like yeah tna was awesome in ring but they were still far far away from wwe and wwe was everything else like it was it yeah like you know and now we're in this world of like all these other options but at the top you got wwe obviously doing what they're doing and and, and i have to always give them their credit like as a worldwide brand they're doing exactly what they want to accomplish like when you look at all the i saw like the google searches for april amongst all the yeah. wrestlers now granted it was wrestlemania month so i mean right. it's gonna be a little inflated with wrestling with wwe right. but i mean it was like roman reigns cody rhodes steve austin you know those kind of names and their bars you know all the way here like it starts here and it goes all the way here and like the first aw person is like number you know 30 something down the list like you know kind of here you know and the wwe's way their, their bar is going way this way it's like wow yeah they really i mean but they're focusing on being a brand like that's the whole thing like a, a sellable mcdonald's like disney like brand yes. that you you recognize that you recognize that w like you recognize yep. the mcdonald's arches like that's like it's it's and whether people know what wrestling is or not, they know WWE. That's that is family entertainment. I know that that stands for family entertainment, and but that's why AEW has such a sweet opportunity here to to corner yeah. the actual pro wrestling market, you know. But 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 WWE. I mean, if they continue to get good pro wrestlers because they have a good roster and they have access right. to more wrestlers, they can they can do both. That's what that's what gets frustrating about that company is yep. they could do both. They could easily be that family friendly show it could easily be just a, a, a brand for kids or whatever they want to be but they could also have some good wrestling on a consistent basis not just once a month on their on their pay-per-views and even then i tried watching raw a little bit this past monday and it was like all dq finishes and stuff like it's like you don't yep. it's not which it isn't worth your time like it's yep. nothing you're, you're accomplishing nothing if you're just watching the pay-per-views or the premium events, whatever they're calling them now, like they're, you know, it isn't as bad. And I, and I did enjoy the show, like I said, but I can't imagine sitting through that three hours every single Monday. No way. I mean, you know, but, but it would be such an easy change, like to just give yep. us some good wrestling with good wrestlers and like with real finishes, real winners and losers, they need to get people invested in their wrestlers. Yeah. And they're only invested in Roman and the kids are invested in whoever the company tells them to be invested in. And there's some, there's some outliers there that stand, that stand out, but like in AEW you get invested because you see what they're doing on screen and like they're winning these matches and even the losers don't look bad. It's just like, Oh, you got beat by someone a little bit better, you know, like no big deal. But at the same time, you're seeing a guy like Brian Danielson and I mean, living out his lifelong dream of of you know this group and wheeler you to becoming uh we were wheeler you to becoming a star in a shorter amount of time on AEW tv than most people spend years and years and years in nxt in front of nobody like there, there's there's clearly multiple ways to do this and wwe has just chosen a way that just doesn't it just not fun to watch unfortunately well it's like okay so for example if cody and austin theory are supposed to be like your future for the next couple of years and you had that match on Raw, 
like, does that look like your future? Like it was just a match and then all of a sudden Seth Rollins comes and interferes and it's okay now. Like they're just do think like that doesn't happen in AEW. Guys are just so much more protected. And the thing that I hate too is like, okay, cool. Um, Cody's facing theory. Is it on Raw or is it a pay-per-view? Because if it's a pay-per-view, I'll check it out. Is it Raw? It's Raw? Okay, I'm not going to watch it. Because I know that they're not going to put forth the effort. It's not the same. And in AEW, you don't have that, right? Like, I promise you that, like, Jeff Hardy and Darby's going to be a big deal. And there's going to have uh, uh, Adam Cole and Dax. And, like, there will be plenty that will feel almost like a pay-per-view when it comes to the effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 reading a little bit of uh the chat here and it seems like pretty much everyone agrees with us too. You know, it's like just just sad that 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 is what it is and it's just that's also what makes it so surreal with it being Cody because like I remember when AEW started and he was doing interviews about how like oh there won't be any 20 minute promos opening our shows and then like he's opening raw with a 20 minute promo. You know, it's just like Yeah. Oh man, this is just I mean He's the man. He's always going to be the man. I'm always in love with Cody Rhodes. Like I said, the, the the most proud moment I'll ever have in my life as a wrestling fan will, will be seeing Cody win the WWE Championship. But even he can't get me interested in watching the show every Monday. Like, even yeah. that can't get me. Then that's crazy. <laughs> like that's, right. that's crazy. There's, there should be at least a little bit more there to where, like, oh, I got Cody, and I'm going to stick around for the rest of the show. And did you see this stuff about um oh my god what's her name Lacey Evans Did yeah, you see any yeah. Of this? yes so so she so I I saw the promo last night on uh -huh. raw yeah. and it, well, here's the thing so I I understand that like our country's in like this crazy spot where like you know it's almost like uncool to be patriotic and and people have chosen their sides and we don't have to get into any politics or anything like that here on this show that is not my intention but my right. point is objectively speaking just watching a promo like that i'm like baby face yeah because i'm, oh, cause, 100%, 100%. I'm like abusive parents and stuff yes. and like and like a lot of death and went off to be a marine and served our country yep and all these things and it's like and the crowd's like cheering they're like oh okay like whether you agree or disagree politically with because the big joke is you know basically it's like it's a maga type thing for her and it's like i don't I don't see it like that. I see it as like somebody who served our country and has gone through a lot in their life. And that's, and I thought it was a really well done promo. It gave me more insight into her than I more insight than I've gotten into any WWE wrestler in recent but, years. But here's the thing. What's weird is the very first one that they aired. I mean, they didn't acknowledge anything she's ever done in her past. Like no Ric Flair relationship, no former feuds, no like where she was like tagging with Baron Corbin against Seth and Becky. Like, didn't act like she was ever a heel. Like it was like literally like her first introduction to the WWE universe or whatever. And I was just like, are we going to pretend like she never was here before? And then not only that, they're going to make her heel. Like, how is that supposed to work? And if it's, she's supposed to be like MAGA or whatever, like half the country is going to like that. So it, what what are we doing? Like I, right. I I don't know. I don't I don't understand 
that at all. But the thing that bothered me the most is like, they just weren't even going to acknowledge her past like at all. Like she's a completely repackaged new person that we've never heard of, never heard anything about. And I'm just like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Norm normally like they used to do that in like the eighties. Right. But like people right. like, didn't realize it was the same person, but like, right. but like, they they do that a lot with you know like NXT UK and that kind of stuff coming over to Raw and SmackDown. But Lacey Evans was like on the main roster for years. Like they, the fan base knows who she is. So I didn't I didn't know that they had done that with her, Doug. I, I really didn't know because I haven't. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I only saw last night's promo. That was the first thing I had seen. But I, I had heard that she had been doing it for a few right. weeks. But then I saw the reports online. I think it was today. I, I probably just on Twitter. And it was like. How I so I didn't know this either. Apparently, she was on SmackDown and she just now was on Raw without any explanation because uh hashtag the brand split isn't real. Um, I've been saying that for years, but right. so she so she is now on a different brand and is going to be pushed as a heel. Now that could be incorrect, I guess, at the end of the day. Maybe the people reporting that maybe they're just wrong. I, I don't I don't know. I I don't know why right. they would report that just to report it if it wasn't true but if that's the case like what the hell are you thinking like why would you have the crowd totally sympathize with her on these promos and then like is their goal like to get the sympathy so that like she stabs us in the back so badly because it's like oh we let our guard down and we we cheered for you because yeah but it's, we it's like a, you. But it's like at the end of the day it's like I don't want to dislike somebody who has had to deal with all this abuse and death and served our country and like seems like a good like half the thing is right. about being a good mom. You know, right. I'm like I'm like, why would I want to boo this person? Unless unless the story is that like she lied about all these things, but like if you follow her on social media, like these are all real things. So I don't, you know, I, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't either. It's it's a head scratcher. And uh Speaking, well, look, look, you know, props Cody Rhodes won, right? Cody Rhodes yeah. won. Um, great match. Great match. And uh, I thought that he really gave, like, pay-per-view effort. The clothesline sell to the outside where he basically flipped from it. Like, there was a lot of things that Cody really put in there. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I, I'll ask you this question because I feel like the generation – of like the Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, the Briscoes. I could go on and on and on. Like what makes Seth and Kevin be like WWE guys? And the other ones are really more so outside of WWE. I think for Seth, I'm oversimplifying oversimplifying things, obviously, but like I think for Seth, a big part of it was de definitely not luck. Like I'm definitely not saying luck, but he was lucky to be a part of the Shield. I agree be because they had big plans for Roman from day one. Yeah, and Mox was the initial like leader of that group and the one who had the most indie butt. Well. Rollins had indie buzz for different reasons. Um, but Moxley within the WWE system, he had done like that FCW feud with Regal and stuff. And like 
there was a, and he was supposed to have that match with Foley. And like, you could tell the WWE really had big plans for him also. Well, what's kind of weird real quick about Moxley. Like, I just remember hearing his voice for the first time. And I was just like, this guy sounds different. Like there's something really evil and demonic about him. And I don't ever think they capitalized on that, by the way. Like even when he was a bad guy, like he like with the shield, like he wasn't overly like creepy. Like I felt like he could have been like creepy and they never went there with him for whatever reason. But, and and I remember him because of the Foley feud and the way that he talked to him and all that stuff that the Foley feud, like the one promo match, their promo that was shot um, with what looked like a shoot. But uh, he's, I just don't think that they ever booked him like I thought that he was going to be booked. Not that that not that it all turned out bad or anything, but just I remember just first impression. Didn't pay attention to him on the indies whatsoever. I had no clue who he was. I heard he was John Moxley. That's about as good as it can be. But I never had seen a John Moxley match or anything like that. But just off first impression, I was just like, man, what what a different type of guy he is. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely you're 100 right about all of that. Like he, his like he used to do these promos for like CZW and stuff, where he would be like smoking a cigarette and have like a bottle of liquor in his hand and just be like talking like he was the Joker or something, like Heath Ledger right. Joker almost. You're just like this guy's crazy, and I believe everything this dude's saying right now. Like, um, in in FCW, he kind of got to do it, like. He, he had a really, it was a very short FCW run, but it was a really good run. I would recommend people check that out. Like, especially that feud with Regal, which makes it so cool that they're doing stuff together with the Blackpool Combat Club and AEW all these years later. Um, but the, the point with Rollins and the Shield was that I think that there was always big plans for Mox and for Roman. But especially because I know that like initially, supposedly CM Punk, when he, put the idea for the shield together. It was going to be Chris hero and not Roman reigns. And they were like, Nope, Roman's like, we want this guy to be a big star. So like, we're going to get him in this group. Um, when the shield broke up, I remember this is just me personally. I remember being really shocked that Seth was the one that turned on the other two. I felt the same way. And that, and that he's the one that got the title first. And he's the one that became triple H's protege. And I think that's a big part of why he's in the position he is right now. And I'm not saying it isn't deserved. It's completely deserved. He's a fantastic professional wrestler, Seth Rollins. But um, I think a lot of it comes from that is like he was the the perception of him pretty much since day one has been main event star because the shield were immediate main eventers. Like their first match was like a TLC match with like team hell no and Ryback or something like that. I mean, it was like, they were immediately right there. They were beating up all the top stars and then Rollins went right into being the world champion and wrestled Sting and stuff at the U.S. title. I mean, it was like, so I think that's a big part of it was like that initial push and his his quality of performance has never uh, like died down at all. Like he's the same, he's just as good right now as he was five years ago, like physically and everything. So I think that's why uh, Seth is. And then for, for Owens, I think it's a combination of like, when he came in because he came in immediately with with cena and they made him seem like a big deal right away and then i think just through solid performances and just being a little bit different and he's a great promo 
I think that he just is a, I think he checks a lot of the boxes for what WWE was looking for and somebody different. And he also has multiple times throughout his career, had a chance to leave and stayed and always talks about how he's a WWE fan before anything else. And JR taught him English through commentary. And like, yeah. I think the WWE sees them. And I think Steve Austin's probably been putting words in for him for decades. You know what right. I mean? Like, cause if they, there's that history with him as a fan talking to Austin all those years ago and stuff like, so I think that's probably it. I think I I'd imagine management just really likes both of those guys and they, always consistently put on the performances they're looking for. It's it's up for Owens versus Jericho at WrestleMania 33, because apparently Vince didn't like that for some reason. But, you know, outside of that, I think they've just, you know, I think, I I think that, I think that would make sense as the kind of. Do you think that though, that they're leaps and bounds better? Like I view Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, the Briscoes, like that whole era. Like, I think a lot of those guys are, even Davy Richards, I think a lot of those guys are all pretty similar. It's just some got lucky, not lucky, but like in the right place, right time, certain ways they decided to use, because you could have easily taken a Kevin Owens and done nothing with him. And he would still be an incredible performer, but it's just like WWE picked and choose who they wanted to actually use. Yeah. I, I think, I think for Owens in specifically, I think his promos get him where he's at even more than yeah. the wrestling does. Like, I think Vince right. sees a believable heel and a likable baby face in him. I, I, you know, and that's, at the end of the day, that's what it all comes down to, right? Is like, does Vince see it in you or not? And he sees it in Seth and he sees it in, in Owens. And I understand what you're asking though. Like, I don't, I don't think that those two guys are like leaps and bounds better than the other people that you mentioned, right. but within the system of what the WWE is, you know, also, I mean, it helps that Rollins is what, like six, three or something. I mean, he's a fairly tall guy. Um, I think he's only like six, one, six, one. Well, still, I mean, he's like, he's over right. six feet tall. Um, right. You know, like, so, you know, when you look at like Roderick strong, Vince probably sees him and he's just like too short, you know, probably right. Adam Cole said too short, you know, I, I like, yeah. you know I mean, and they just immediately just kind of get pigeonholed. Right. Um, you know, some guys slip through the cracks like Brian Danielson, and then it takes the entire fan base to like get them to get that push. Right. But um, but AJ yeah, Styles. AJ. Well, and yes, yeah, and AJ is a really, really interesting case because he was he was the most sink or swim position of any of these guys because when he yep. came in from New Japan, Vince was not sold on him, and but he was too big of a star to put in NXT. Right. So. He right to the Royal Rumble, got the big pop, and that feud with Jericho was basically if that didn't go well, AJ is probably not even the company right now, you right. know, like or he would have just been jobbed out like crazy and like whatever. But Finn um, Balor, Finn Balor, yeah, Finn Balor gets hurt in that Universal Title match, and it just things are never the same. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. AJ is just such an anomaly. He's He's kind of like how Cody is right now, just minus like also the theme music and the other company ties and all that other right. stuff. But like, but AJ is a, another good example of kind of what you were asking though, because he, I think he actually has the best position of any of those three guys. Him, yeah, he, because Vince just sees him as a perennial utility guy. Like it doesn't matter what he needs him for. 
AJ can go from being a jobber on one week to being the world champion the next. Like Vince just relies on him, which yeah. is, you know, a great spot to have if you're AJ Styles at, at this age, this many years into the, into wrestling and finally making real good money. And like Vince loves yeah. you. So like, just keep doing your thing. Right. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, we've got a couple of super chats. Let's get to those real quick. Yeah. Um, Vince Valentine, appreciate it, man. Uh, thank you for the super chat. In the light of Kota Ibushi news, do you guys see him possibly going to AEW full time if he gets released? Man, I don't know. This seems this is kind of a bizarre thing going on right now. I don't even know if you've been paying attention to this, Stephen, but it's like he seems really upset with New Japan, and I don't know where this is heading, but it seems like it's getting pretty personal. Like he's basically talking about how like ownership cheat on their wives, short guys, money on merch, all this type of stuff. And it just doesn't sound like the type of stuff that you would say to someone. If you want to still be employed, this is like Tito Ortiz, Dana white type stuff. You know what I mean? Where it's just really awkward that they still have him under employee and you you know that Dana can't wait to get rid of him. Well, they got they got to have an Abushi versus a Tiger Hattori boxing match. Yeah, right. <laughs> um so I I I don't know. I would you would think there's always a home for him in AEW, but I also would say that if there is some type of partnership, then New Japan might not be thrilled with the idea of him going there and still working with AEW, right? Like they might be like, you can't hire this guy or we're done. You know what I mean? So I I, I don't know. And then how would Kenny Omega feel about that? Like it's just a lot of moving parts. And it's honestly at a terrible time going into the forbidden door soon and all that. Like I was hoping Ibushi would be available for that card. And now not only is he not going to be available, but like how much how much is he going to burn a bridge at multiple companies? And he's the type of guy, too, that kind of, like, has never really cared and done things his own way, you know? Like, the New Japan thing was shocking when he actually signed a long-term deal, became their champion, all that stuff. Like, so, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, and it seems like it just started brewing really bad when they pulled him recently because they said that he still wasn't healthy enough and he's saying that he's healthy enough and can go and he's thinking they're trying to like sabotage his career at this point i will say this too like me being the biggest osprey fan in the world i still was shocked that they actually had abushi drop the title to osprey when he had just recently won it i i did not expect that at all so I think there's just been a lot of decisions that have happened in New Japan. I also think the pandemic has frustrated a lot of guys, right? Like just the way the whole situation has been and the travel and notices and not being able to compete when you thought you were going to be able to compete and cards being pulled and all that. Like this has not been the same, I guess you could say like more oiled machine in the, in the U.S. that has been in Japan, so I just think there's a lot of things that are frustrating Obushi right now. Um, fantastic talent. I think him and Kenny Omega could have an incredible story. They wanted to tell it. But I also think that uh, his his future is very uncertain right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw online a lot of people that were trying to get 
different translations of what he was saying. Yeah. Um, because like the general consensus kind of seems to be like what you were saying that there was some sort of abuse within New Japan. Yeah, he was calling out people for cheating and stuff, and yeah, it's uh it's a uh, it's interesting. I hadn't really considered how that would affect him with AEW and the Forbidden Door and all that stuff. That's a really good point you bring up. Abushi's been a he's been an interesting case really his whole career in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember him doing the cruiserweight classic and everyone thinking, okay, well, he's probably going to sign with WWE. And they were like yeah. waiting throughout that tournament. Like they apparently like he was probably going to win the whole thing and they couldn't get him to come to terms by like the semifinals or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, I guess he's going to lose because he's not going to be here. Um, and then when he signed with new Japan again, it was like, what are you doing? Like your best friend, your golden lover is starting a new company in the States and you can just be like a mega star in, in the U S now. Like why, yeah. like, you know, like why wouldn't you do that? And I think a big reason is he just had this like sense of like loyalty and pride to new Japan because he had put so many years in to get to that main event level with them and to, and to be a, a world title holder and I think that was like kind of his like ultimate goal in wrestling. And like he got that and then it was gone right away. Osprey beating him. And now he's been in like limbo ever since with like the injuries and stuff. And he's probably yeah. just like, what have I done? You know? And I'm not, I, I, I have, I don't know enough about like the allegations or whatever that he, that he's putting out there. So like, I don't, I don't want to speak too much on that until like I know more about that. But regardless of what is going on between himself and new Japan, it was, I've always been confused as as to like why he didn't just come to AEW from day one, and now like and if and if it is New Japan because they don't they also don't have the best history of like having the best relationship with some of these talents on the way out either. You know what yep. I mean? Like so they could have it on some sort of authority that Ibushi wants out, and now they're just trying to keep him at home, like out of spite. You know, for all we, I mean, there could be a lot of factors in this. So I, I hope at the end of the day, we get a Bushi in AEW. I mean, cause that's where you should yeah. have been this whole time. Um, right. So, and hopefully it can be a part of Forbidden Door. Cause that's, you know, obviously Forbidden Door is going to be incredible regardless. And it's sold out immediately. I mean, just incredible for AEW and for New Japan. And this show is going to be awesome, but having a Bushi on that show makes it that much better. And, you know, I, I really hope he can be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. And so from what I picked up, because I watched the Kenny um the Kenny uh interview like right around uh double or nothing talking about Abushi, and it was basically like Abushi was willing to go to America and live there, but he did not want to live in America. But he was willing to do it, and Kenny was like I know you'll be more happy in New Japan. So I'm not going to let you come with me. And he starts crying, talking about it, right? I remember this now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And but but see, this is the this is the thing now where we're now in hindsight, right? Because like everything that that time was just like sunshine and rainbows. Cody Rhodes is is part of the evp group and we're going to take over wrestling and all this stuff right and now we're three years in 
Abushi and New Japan didn't really work out. Cody left AEW to go back to WWE. But that's the reality of life. Like, not everything is sunshine and rainbows. Not every signing is going to be as great as you thought it was going to be. Not everything will be a home run, right? And so I just man, I just don't know if an American crowd can handle that storyline and what they would go through like the way that Japan did, right? And so I, I just don't know what that would be. But I mean, you you can get you can have like if 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 Omega wants to somewhat slow down and not necessarily jump right into being a singles guy and all this stuff. I mean, you could do the Golden Lovers in AEW versus so many tag teams that would be so awesome, right? And I, I think that there's definitely a home for Ibushi. It makes all the sense in the world. Uh, so I would love to see it. But I just think it would be funny that, like, okay, we have such a beef with him that we're going to cut him, but then AEW is going to sign him. I just don't necessarily, especially going to the Forbidden Door. Like, imagine he's on the for, he, he's on the Forbidden Door card but on AEW's side, not New Japan. Like, I just don't see them being okay with that. So, I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. That's interesting to think about. And, and what's, up, what's up, What's up, Romeo? I see you in the chat, man. I just haven't seen him uh, tweet a little bit. You did, the, you did the show with them, Doug? Yeah, yeah. So, I did. Uh, he messaged me and asked if I wanted to come on. And I was like, sure, why not? So, I did UFC and uh, UFC 274 and Canelo. We, nice. we were going, and the great thing was, is the Canelo fight was during the Rose fight, so like, and it was almost the entire Rose fight because Rose went five rounds, right? So the moment that like Canelo and Bavall was done, the main event for Gaethje and um, uh, Oliveira. Oliveira was on, so it, it worked out perfect. I had a really good time with them. Another guy named uh, Heel Steven, he was on there, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. Nice. Um, yeah, that's what's up. I was doing the. Uh the impact post show during a lot of that but i i was able to watch we're going to talk about the ufc in a little bit but yeah, yeah. yeah I, I wish i could have made it on there with you guys but yeah that's, that's good people over there for touch yeah for sure yeah for sure um and then this kind of segues into one of our main topics that we wanted to talk to and talk about anyway so i appreciate alexander fitzgerald for the super chat um, and guys, if you haven't, please smash that like button. Also, if you have any donations, please send them in. We'll read your questions out. Uh, what do you guys think will win the Owen Hart tournament? Or who do you guys think will win the Owen Hart tournament? It seems unpredictable. I'm excited for Hardy versus Darby. I just wish they saved it for a feud. Um, and like I've I've felt that way before, like saving stuff for a feud. But man, like let's be honest, like Jeff Hardy has seen better days. This is not, this is more towards the end, right? So for me, I don't think we really have the luxury of saving a lot of this stuff. If you can do it, then you just do it, right? Because we only have four pay-per-views and I mean, luckily with Forbidden Door, I guess we have five, but we don't have this unbelievable amount of time to set something up and, and hope for the best. So if you can just knock this stuff out, go ahead. You know what I mean? Um, so, sure, certain things need to be set up and stuff. And and I agree, Darby and Jeff, I thought should be like a pay-per-view feud. But um, I'll take what I can get. Because who's to say that Jeff 
isn't around because he got injured and he's out nine months or, you know, like we just don't know. So I'll just take what we can get. Yeah. I, I don't want another uh, Cody Rhodes and Sting scenario where it just doesn't happen. Like, right. So, yeah. And, and also just because Jeff versus Darby's happening on this, uh, on this, um, in this tournament. And I get what you're saying, you know, you know, it's the first time ever match. And so I, I totally get what, what they're saying with the super chat, but it doesn't mean that we can't see this again. You know what I mean? Like they could build another Jeff Hardy versus Star Beyond match, you know, a handful of months down the line for a pay-per-view or something and, and, and reference things that happened in, in this match and stuff. They'll figure out a way to, to make this happen again if they want to. So um, as far as a prediction, though, I'm glad you asked that because that was one of the topics for today's show. And I'll, I'll read out the matches real quick that are on the brackets and then I'll you know what? We can do some bracketology real quick. We can try to like we kind of yeah. pick the winners. And by here. the way, I don't I don't know if you're familiar, but next week I'm going to Dynamite, and I will very likely see Joe versus the Joker and Kyle O'Reilly versus Phoenix. So I'm looking forward to both of those matches. That's in Houston. Yes. Okay. Now I'm trying to think if there's anyone from Houston that it could be, but I'm we'll start with that one. Samoa Joe versus the Joker. I think it's going to be Cesaro. You really think so? Like, I don't know. That's the first thing that comes to my head. That's like the first one that just like pops in. Where I'm like, I think whoever, sense. I think whoever it is, Joe is losing because I think that Jay Lethal is seeing that whole combination is going to cost Joe, and they will actually have a match at Double or Nothing. I think that that's where it's leading because there's just been too much TV time that they've had to where it wouldn't head to a pay per view. My opinion. I also think it could be Johnny Gargano. Because he is available now. You know, he said he was going to wait to have the baby. Baby's been around a couple of months now. So I think that's possible as well. Um, I I just, man, if it's Sing, I'll throw up everywhere. And I really don't think that they would do that. I really don't. I don't think Tony would do that. But that would be awful, right? But to me, the Joker has always kind of been a big deal. Like whenever they've done a Joker, it's usually been a, like a new debut or, or something like that. So, I mean, I'm all for Joe versus Cesaro. Sign me up all day long. But I do think that whoever's facing Joe, Joe is going to lose. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm with you on all of that. Um, Romeo says Davy uh, Boy Jr., which that could make sense, too. Um, yeah. With this being the Owen tournament, I think that Samoa Joe would beat him, though. Um, no, I, I, but like I said, it's not because he beat. It's just because they cheat Joe out of it. Like that's right. what would be like. That would be the final straw for Joe to like actually have this match at a pay per view. It's probably Teddy Hart. That's probably who it is. Oh yeah, uh, I can yeah. See it's got to be Todd signing up for that all it's day long. Be. Um, obviously, I'm kidding. I don't want anybody thinking I was being serious with that. Um, he is the biggest what if ever in wrestling, though. Like, if that guy could have stayed out of his own way, like that guy was so good when he was like 18 years old. He was oh, so ahead of his time. Oh too, my man. god. Oh my god. Everyone, everything Ricochet does is inspired by seeing Teddy Hart do it first. But right. anyways, um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna say like if it is if it's Cesaro, I think Cesaro is gonna beat Samoa Joe. If it's Johnny Gargano. I don't know, but I, I, I do think Samoa Joe, he, Samoa Joe won't win this whole tournament. At some point, what you said is going to happen. Yeah. I just don't know if it's in the first round or the second round. 
but I, I'll take the Joker because with it just being the Joker, I think that they'll have it'll be someone good. It'll lead to a good match, and they'll advance. Um, we got Ray Phoenix versus Kyle O'Reilly. This match is gonna rule. Um, yes, man. And I would, and this this is what's something that's cool about this tournament is like this one could really go either way because both guys are primarily tag team guys. Ray Phoenix has had more singles opportunities. He's been in AEW longer, of course, but um, Ray Phoenix has had more singles opportunity in AEW, but Kyle O'Reilly, former Ring of Honor champion, like he's a very established singles guy, you know, in his own right. And one of my favorite in-ring wrestlers in the world. Like I just, I just love his wrestling style. Yep. Um, he also recently beat Jungle Boy too. Like, yes. So it's not Clean. like he's, he, yeah, exactly. So it's not like he's just, uh, coming in like somewhat of as a jobber and could just job out. Like I think that, that this, the thing though is Phoenix just came back. Right. So he has a momentum too, but I do think that death triangle is going to face um, the house of black at the pay-per-view. So I don't think Phoenix will be. a. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I'm so going to go lose. I'm going to go Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, I was going to go him kind of out of bias anyways, but right. I think that that makes a lot of sense to what you just said. And right. with Adam Cole being on the other side of the bracket, like that makes for interesting possibilities with, with yes. both of them being in the tournament as it goes along. So I'm going to go Kyle O'Reilly over Ray Phoenix. We'll come back to that side of the bracket here in a second. Um, we'll say Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen. I feel like you got to put Darby Allen over. Like this match is yep. going to be, I mean, this is a dream match, but Darby is, Darby is one of the most, I mean, you know, he's one of the pillars, but like he's probably the most, I mean, you can make the argument for MJF as well, but I think Darby's probably the most established AEW homegrown guy that they have outside of if you consider Hangman Page to be, but they don't consider him a pillar. But like, right. you know what I mean? Like Darby has been, pretty heavily protected throughout his entire run. He's got the thing going with staying the TNT championship. I, I just think that it's kind of a bad look. If, if I love Jeff Hardy. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm a Jeff Hardy fan, but I I think it just makes way more sense for Darby Allen to, to beat Jeff Hardy here. You feel the same? I'll, I agree. And I also think that the Hardys and the Bucks look like they're going to be doing something. So I, I feel like that Jeff's got to be freed up for that. So yeah, I think Jeff is going to lose. Yeah. And yeah, they've heavily been playing that up on BTE between the Hardys and the young Bucks. Yep. Um, and then you got Adam Cole and Dax Harwood. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious Adam Cole will win, but yep. man, Dax Harwood has been super impressive in his singles work. Like I really, really like him. Um, it would be a hell of a story for Dax Harwood to beat Adam Cole here, but yeah, I got to go Adam Cole. I think if Dax beats Adam Cole, I think he's winning the whole thing. So that, that's my prediction, but I do think Adam Cole's going to win. So that, so then what does that leave us at? So that leaves us with, and by the way, I, I agree with that. I, I think that if Dax wins the first round, like he has to win the whole thing. I, I agree with that. Um, so we would have Kyle O'Reilly versus the Joker or Samoa Joe, but we're going to go with the Joker. Um, which could possibly be Kyle O'Reilly versus Cesaro, which would be sick if that would happen. Or Kyle O'Reilly versus Gargano, which would be sick. So I would yes. take either one of those. Yeah, and that has like the NXT background oh. too and stuff. I mean, that's like... For sure. So, yeah. Um, 
I'll take Kyle actually, I guess, because I really don't know who the Joker is going to be. And I don't know. I mean, it also kind of is the layup of like on the other side, Adam Cole and Darby Allen. Like, is this all a big way to do Kyle Riley versus Adam Cole in the finals? Or, or is Adam, does Darby Allen be Adam Cole? What do you think? I think Adam Cole's going to the finals. That's okay. my guess. Yeah. So you, so we'd have Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole in the finals. If that would be, but I think if it's Cesaro, he wins, and it's Adam Cole versus Cesaro in the finals. Ooh, okay. Okay. Which I, which would be sick. Yeah. Like that. Here's, here's would the thing. Be written all over it. All these matches are sick. Even if like Ray Phoenix like ran the board, like Ray Phoenix versus Adam Cole is sick. You know what I mean? Yes, like these are like for sure. Adam, or like, the Phoenix, finals were like Ray Phoenix versus Darby. Like that would be nuts. Ray Phoenix, Dax Harwood, who we would normally see wrestling each other in tag teams, like one on one, just tearing it up. Like there's, there is, yeah, this tournament's gonna rule. And here's the other thing I wanted to throw out there, and this this is a nitpick more than anything else, but um, I kind of feel like why didn't they just make it to where like the brackets were, what do we have here? Eight man brackets. Why didn't they just make them 16 man brackets? Cause everybody had to win a match to get into it except for the Joker. So like, why didn't this just start? You know what I mean? Why weren't the other matches just part of the tournament? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause they all yeah. had to win to advance. So it was kind of like the, this tournament started with the, the ones where you had to win to get in. So another thing that I kind of would like, honestly, is for the Owen to be a like one quarter is the men's and then the other quarter is the women's. So it's like it keeps going. It's not back to back because then I feel like that the women's matches lose complete focus because m- most people are focused on the men's thing. And it's like you want to say who was the Owen winner, right? Not the Owen winners. And it just it just seems like it's too much going on, you know. Like the women's matches are basically happening on Rampage, and the men are getting dynamite. So I think it would be kind of cool if like they did the same tournament, but then like go into full gear. The women are competing for the Owen, and then there's more focus on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that because you know honestly, like I had to just pull up the women's brackets because I like I I pretty much knew all the men who would qualify, but the I because I haven't I've still kept up with Rampage, but the problem with that show being on Friday and only one hour is there's like that's always when I'm also watching like IWTV or GCW and like other so I'm like watching AEW on a second screen with other stuff during Rampage, so like. I haven't been keeping up nearly as much with the women's side of the tournament tournament than the men's side. Um, but I do have the brackets here, so we can go through those real quick. All right, go ahead. Um, we got Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. I, I legitimately Tony Storm. I, yeah, Tony I, Storm. I, I legitimately forgot she was in AEW until I saw her on Dynamite the other day. I was Tony like, or yeah, Tony? Tony. Yeah. Tony. I was like, oh damn, that's right. She debuted like a few weeks ago. I, I completely forgot. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh I mean and so on the same bracket is Britt Baker and the Joker. Um, they could get to Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker right there, but they'll probably save that for like an actual feud and Britt will probably lose to whoever the Joker is. So I'm with you. I'm going to go Tony Storm over Jamie Hayter. Um, what did you, uh, when it comes to the Joker, do you think this is Athena at this point? 
that's I mean, that's the same as like my pick with Cesaro. She's the one that comes to mind and she's the one that like I if if the Joker is gonna beat Britt Baker, it's gonna be it's gonna have to be somebody on that level, I feel like. Yeah. So and when yeah. I say Athena, that's Ember Moon, if people yeah. don't know. But that's basically her on the um independence. But I thought her interview with Chris Van Fleet was really interesting. I don't know if you checked it out, but uh man, you want to talk about a frustrated person with the WWE. And, like, I've never been her biggest fan, but based on what she says and just how much she loves it, like, I think she deserves a real shot. So I'm I'm all for her going there. The only problem I have is if Britt is facing someone that is a joker, right? Like, that joker can't beat Britt. Like, I just don't see that happening. And so, like, you're going to debut them with a loss. But I do believe AEW will make it look like Britt is fighting for every inch of her life to get out of there so it won't be that bad of a deal. And and then it's like, oh, she was impressive. And then Tony Khan will post a graphic that she's all elite. You know what I mean? So, um, but my guess is it's Athena. Yeah, that's my guess also. Um, I, I feel like if it's Athena, she'll win to like establish her as like pretty much title challenger like immediately but if it's anyone else i think Britt wins because i can't think of anyone else i could bring in that would be i think if it's even well i mean they could bring in like someone like a diana perrazzo if they wanted to because that's been something that they've wanted to have for a long time and she just recently worked dynamite so i mean i think any of the impact be like even Taya if they wanted to bring in Taya they could easily do that and it wouldn't be that big of a deal even if Taya lost to Brit or whatever but um I I I think that there's other options but you know could be alley catch no I'm just kidding oh but, man <laughs> I, I, I would love that right but um could be, it could be Brooke Adams right yeah I don't, I don't know I think those days are over but um Maybe NXT 2.0, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but but I'm, I I think Britt's going over either way. And like honestly, I, in my opinion, I don't know the rest of the bracket, but from what I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I think Britt's going to win the whole thing. But go ahead and go on with the other matches, just in case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got Riho versus Ruby Soho, and that's a tough one to pick. I mean. Ruby, like you could tell that they really want to do stuff with her, but Riho has been like one of their top women since day one and has stayed kind of around that top of the card for the women. I don't know. I don't know who's going to win. I have no idea who they're, who's going to win. I'll say win. this. I think Ruby's been getting a lot of TV time talking back and forth with Brit and all this stuff. Um, so I think I think Ruby's going over. Yeah, that's, that's what my gut says also so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with ruby um red velvet and cheetah i feel like cheetah's gotta win this she's just been too established in aew and she's just i don't know i feel like she's on a different level than red velvet so i, I by the way how fired up for you that serena deeb gets a title shot i love that i mean well and against under rosa like that's gonna be yeah. a great match um yes i'm very because honestly when i looked at this bracket just now i was like serena's not on this and it's like oh yeah she's in the title matches right um right. So yeah, um, no, yeah, very, very excited, very happy for Serena Deeb. Um, for those of you who listen to me on you know, the different platforms and stuff, she's when it comes to like the women's side of wrestling, she's in rarefied air for me. Like it's like her and like Charlotte Flair 
And that's probably my top two right there. And I like Allie Catch a lot for other reasons because she's holding it down in GCW. But like, that's, I mean, I, I love Serena Deeb. So I, I can't wait to see her. Uh, I hope she wins the double. She's probably, probably won't win the title because Thunder Rosa just won it. But I would love to see Serena Deeb with that, that title belt. I but. do think though, man, if she could some, if they somehow did give her the belt, like her and Punk holding the titles together would be a pretty cool special moment. Yeah. Yeah, you know with the yeah. whole straight edge society and all that, like I, I, that would be pretty wild. But um, I think just in general, right? Just the fact that both of them are facing for the title, like headlining their each division, that's pretty special in itself. Yeah, I completely agree. And then you you could have uh, you could have Gallows uh, watching from from a distance with a weird look on his face, and uh, yeah, Joey Joey Mercury can. You know, is he still with the WWE, Joey, Joey Mercury? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. No, he went anyway. to like Ring of Honor, I think, and then that didn't work out. And yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking of like straight edge society people. Anyways, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Sheet over Red Velvet. Um, so then that would leave us with Britt Baker or the Joker versus Tony Storm. And I know you've already got Britt because you got her winning the whole thing. Um. Yeah, the more that I, I mean, once again, I'm going to go with either Athena or Britt Baker for to win this entire tournament. So it's, it's whoever wins that match I'm taking to win the whole thing. Um, and then on the other side, I'll take Ruby. Yeah, I'll take Ruby Soho over Sheeta. I'll, I'll say Ruby's in the finals against either Athena or Britt Baker, but either Athena or Britt will win the whole thing. It kind of feels like they're going to run um, Britt and Ruby back. Like that's what it kind of feels like. Yeah. So. Uh, Birds of War in the chat says the Joker is Nia Jax. Ooh, would that be something? Boy, that Ooh. would be fun. I don't think that's happening at all. On an honest, honest question, dead honest question, yeah. who would you rather have in AEW? Like, you have to pick one. Nia Jax or Omos? Like, why would you do this? Like, I... I, ugh. I God. <laughs> You can't even bring yourself to even say one of these names. I, I can't because <laughs> uh, I'm going Omos all day, but I mean, you already knew that. Really? But like, I mean, God, I don't want it. He's a progress stopper so bad. And like, I don't want him. Oh my God. Nia Jax is a career ruiner. Not for sure. They're, I mean, it's it's awful either way. I I I can't I I I I I I'm speechless, Stephen. I don't. You I don't. Even, you can't even pick one. Wow. I I I would probably lean towards Naya, and I hate to say that. So, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's rough either way. Yeah, Alexander Fitzgerald says Naya Naya versus Nyla. I mean, that actually, like, I mean. I don't know how good it would be, but I mean that's oh. a match that I think would get made if if they if they were both in the same company. Yo, I think yo, I think Botch, Botchamania, like get your popcorn ready and just enjoy the show on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyways, um, that's the women's tournament. Uh, Romeo says Omos never hurt anybody. I, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Um, can you imagine poor Brit in there with Naya? 
Oh my god. Uh, broken yeah. nose, broken leg, the whole nine. Like, oh, I I hate either option. I really do. I'm not not a fan of either one. So do Omos versus Sing though. I mean, listen, like this this is this is getting out of hand. I don't want yeah. any of that. All right, we can move on. I was yeah, uh, yeah. So well, the record will show. Um, you chose Nia Jax over Omos in case this ever happens in real life. I don't think most people are are trying to get anywhere near Nia Jax right now. I think she's creating a lot of enemies at the moment. Um, so I'm not really. I think she's also one of those that like she's there to be in the WWE and only the WWE. And if the WWE didn't work, then she's just done, right? Like I don't think she was in it for just the passion of being a pro wrestler and she'll go to other independent shows and all this stuff. Right. And I think that that's the problem too, when you roll over the red carpet for these people that aren't that talented. And then when they're released, they don't really know what to do. I'm going to be honest though. Like the bro, the Braun Strowman stuff, like it's just so far out of left field. It's not what I expected for him at all. Like, I didn't expect him to get released and then come out with a company with EC3 of control your narrative and like not really get paid. And like I don't, I don't understand the move at all. And like he could have took less money and stayed with the WWE and probably been way more happy than what he's doing right now. Like he's literally fighting with people on the internet all day about like whatever he decides to do. So it's just weird how some people decide what their passion is or what they want to do or, or whatever. Um, it's just interesting. Yeah. Got the super chat from dirty answer that one. Like, do we have any other super chats? This last one. No, I think this is the last one. Okay. Um, oh, wait, you... nope, nope. We got one more. One more. Right, okay. Ford. Forgot well, that one. Sorry, Chris. We'll get that one in a second, man um dirty yeah I, I i hope it's good uh i have a lot of high hopes considering it's that they i'll read it for the the people listening for the audio uh he asked if the aw video game is going to be good uh, i mean it's my, my favorite wrestling games ever are on the nintendo 64 the old you know world tour revenge no mercy wrestlemania 2000 like all those games and it seems like there's a lot of that development like the developers and the people that made those games involved in this. And it has my hopes very, very high on top of being an AEW fan and on top of not buying the WWE video games the last handful of years, because there just hasn't been enough. It just hasn't been enough fun to play, unfortunately, that I just, you know, I, I'm really anticipating uh, the AEW game coming out because I, I will buy it on the release day. And I'm hoping that, it fills that void of wrestling games for me because I've, I've, I've held over that void with some other games like uh, Action Arcade Wrestling that you know I know you know about and Wrestling Empire. And there's some other games that I kind of play here and there, but I really want to dive into an AEW video game. And um, so I'm so dirty. I'm, I'm hoping it's good and I, I will purchase it on the day that it comes out. So we just I'll we just say this. I'll say this. 2K22 made it very difficult for them. They made it very difficult. For I hear that's a great game. I just haven't played it yet, but I do hear great stuff about that game. It's a great game. And not only that, I can play the entire AEW roster on that game. Like, right. and I can put every venue on that game. Like, 
and I'm not talking about like little half-ass graphics here. I'm talking about it looks like they took a photo scan of their face and put it on this game. And not only that, people are already making like every version of that person as well, you know? So you want Kenny Omega from Bullet Club? No problem. You know, you want Kenny Omega who just recently like had the blue hair with the goatee? No problem. Like you want the young bucks of old? You want the young bucks of new? You want the entire New Japan roster? Like the the community creations, these people are very talented. And like the whole point of an AEW video game was to be like, man, I really want to play as this guy or this guy or this guy. And now you can. So it makes things, um, it, it takes away that fun factor of like the anticipation of what it would feel like to play Darby Allen or whatever. So now it's just the hope that the game is actually good. But the problem, in my opinion, that the game's going to have is it's just going to be limited. It's not going to have this like unbelievable amount of release of talent and all this stuff. And they're, if their creative wrestler isn't as great, like if they can't, if you can't create WWE guys very well or anything like that, like that's going to be a big miss. And I just know they have a lot riding on this game. So that concerns me. And I think that, you know, nobody expected 2K22 to be as good as it was. And I mean, I, I got to give them credit. It's a very good game. And uh, it'll be interesting though, right? Because what if the AEW game is a really good game? And what if graphics might not be the best, at not, not compete with that, but like the gameplay is so much more fun or whatever. Um, it, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting, but no matter what, they're always going to be compared to 2K22. And so running right out of the gates, going up against that game, that's going to be tough. Well, I'm, I'm just hoping that it has a whole different gameplay style. Like I... I want to get more away from like simulations and more into just games that are fun. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that it's really cool that, that the WWE games have gotten so detailed and you like pretty much anything, anything you think of, you can do, but I kind of want to feel like I'm playing just like in like a, like a video game and not like I'm trying to recreate reality. Like, if that like makes the, sense. like the blitz, instead of madden yeah exactly like there's nothing wrong with madden and like the more realistic but like just like like ecw hardcore says in the chat no mercy style gameplay exactly that's also why i'm actually watching a uh, battle slam vendetta on my other screen right now but those games those games yeah def jam vendetta jeff jam fight for new york those were those were the no mercy engine essentially and when when they couldn't get the licenses to the wrestlers anymore, they just got the licenses to rappers. And like, that's pretty much the spiritual successor to no mercy and WrestleMania 2000 and revenge and world tour and all that stuff. So it's like, I want that style of game again. Cause I just have a lot of fun playing that. And more importantly, I have more fun playing those games with other people. Like when me and my brother or me and my friends, or now you can do it online. When you want to sit down and just like play and just like have a have fun playing a video game, it's just a lot more fun than like having to be so strategic about everything. Like here's the biggest problem I've had with the WWE games. And I don't know if this game has that issue or not, because I haven't played it yet, but 
the online was always so screwed up. Like you, it was so cheap. Like everything was based around everyone has a certain amount of reversals. And once you get those drained, you can just spam moves on people. And there's ways to get you to drain those, those bars and stuff. And it just became this really, really cheap mess that just wasn't fun. And then on top of that, a lot of time it would disconnect like mid match or as you're trying to get paired up into a match, the online was a mess. And that yeah. is a giant killer for me in 2022. Like, if you have a video game that has online capability, if it just doesn't work right, there's no point in me getting your video game. So right. I'm hoping it's just, I'm just really hoping that that the AEW video game has multiplayer really heavily in mind because that's something that, that's an advantage that, like, we haven't really seen it since the, like, late 90s, early 2000s, but there are a lot of people that I remember growing up that weren't even wrestling fans and they would go out and like, they'd buy no mercy or they'd buy WCW NWA revenge or whatever. And they weren't even wrestling fans. They just had so much fun playing the video games that it kind of got them into wrestling. And yeah. AEW, I think needs to go for that kind of market. Like not, not the ultra niche hardcore pro wrestling fans, like just, just, casual gamers that want to have fun playing video games and it just happens to be wrestlers if that makes yeah. sense so yeah yeah no i mean listen i'm gonna stay optimistic i hope it does well i just think that the competition is way stiffer than what i thought it was gonna be i thought i honestly thought 2k was 2k 22 was gonna suck and then they were gonna hit a home run and then it was just gonna be that way but now like Gotta give credit where credit's due. You know, 2K22 is definitely a pretty darn good game. And we'll see what happens with the, the new video game. I, I did want to just... Uh, go ahead. Sorry, just, just real quick. This here from... I uh, Yes, I remember this. You could all... On those games, you used to be able... See, that's when these games were fun. Because they weren't so realistic. You used to be able to, like, hang off of, like, helicopters and, like, drop elbows on people from the sky right. and stuff. Like, that was fun. Right. Not, not, not like going into a mini game where you're like you're you have to hit a at the right time to do a very specific thing that's going to show you it is going to do it for you and stuff like it's it's yeah. gotten too meta too realistic like i want to jump off helicopters and elbow drop people again right well and i think what you could do with that that way too is like select a certain match so like if you do do a hardcore match you can jump off a helicopter right like it doesn't have to be you can have both Right, because right. not everybody's gonna want that crazy style match, but you can always have that match option, right? Right. So I think that would be cool. Um, we didn't really talk about this, but I do. It, it is something that's starting to really bug me. And Chris sent in a super chat about it, and I appreciate that, Chris. As always, thank you very much, man. It says evening, guys. Not sure if you already discussed this, but do you think Bischoff is trolling for attention these days, or is he actually that stupid? Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know what happened, but he seems really like out to get AEW at this point. And what bothers me, and it's a lot of these guys, is this mentality that you do not cater to smart marks. It is a failed business idea that the only thing that you need to focus on is that guy that just got home from work and is looking on TV to see what's on. It's like, oh, wrestling's on. I'm going to watch this. And to try to get his attention to buy something from there and maybe order the pay-per-view in a, in a month, right? 
if you're focusing on your hardcore fan base, they're already going to get the thing. So you're wasting your time is the way that they view it. And they don't think any other way in pro wrestling, but the way that they think that like we're on a TV show and we need to brand it that way. And we need to make sure that we can get anybody to watch us and all this stuff. And it's like, bro, you're out of business for this. Like at the end of the day, because what is Vince Russo doing? That was exactly his philosophy. What is he doing right now? A podcast? He's doing what we do, right? Right. What What is Eric Bischoff doing? Ad-free shows. And it's not like he just had WCW. He went to TNA. And, and what is he doing? Like, And I'm not here to say that he didn't accomplish anything or any of that stuff. But I'm just saying this mindset that you had got you fired at the end of the day. Like, why is there so much hate towards Tony Khan when he constantly keeps proving you wrong? Like, when are you going to get it? When are you going to understand that the guy can say, look, we're going to do a show in New Japan and sell out in a day? And, and it's not like it's just some little shack or a bingo hall like they always used to say. This is the United Center where Michael Jordan played basketball. You know what I mean? And I, I just don't understand the mentality. You know, and then like Tim and CM Punk are going at it. And I I just, why is it? Like, okay, for example, if, if, if Dana, right, was doing the UFC and he was just like, you know what? I know you guys want to see Oliveira and Islam, right? But, you know, Logan Paul is ready to make his debut and he's going to face so-and-so. Logan Paul and Jake Paul decide they're going to fight and they're going to fight in MMA. Like, yeah, that's a casual viewer thing that you would do. And yes, it would get interest and buzz and all that stuff, but it's not going to please the hardcore base. And if you do Islam and Oliveira, people are going to end up sticking around because one, it's going to be a great fight. And two, it's going to prove who's the best. And so much of pro wrestling, we, we want to determine who's the best. And it's not necessarily always about wins or losses. It's just performances and how good guys are in the ring. And when you put them in there with the best in the world, how do they respond, right? And... This ain't the whole Kogan era anymore, brother. Like, you can't do that anymore. But yet they, they keep thinking that they can. Yeah. You know, honestly, when it comes to Bischoff, the, this, this is just the way that I kind of see it. I could be completely wrong. But I feel like he probably thought AEW was going to roll out the red carpet for him. Like, when he came in to do some stuff with them, and he started giving them advice, and he started kind of hanging around Cody, it's like, and then, like in like Roach at the Top, I remember there was like some stuff with like them at like like a hotel bar, kind of talking to each other and stuff like that. And and I think that he expected Tony and AEW to like take his constructive criticism and like use it to change their show, kind of how he would want. Or maybe he was looking for a job in AEW because we also got to remember this was a dude who, I mean that he was he was like the head writer or whatever for the wwe for like a year randomly 
a couple years ago, and like that didn't work out at all. And he like moved his whole I family. Made, I don't even think he made it a year. It was like him and Heyman. He got yeah. he got one brand, and Heyman got the other. And like that whole thing just wound up like not not only did it not change anything. Like Bischoff pretty much came and went, and then Heyman kind of went back to doing what he was doing before. But he. And, and then Vince went and got Bruce Pritchard and just like, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with you instead. Exactly. Um, so I like Bishop. It's, it's, I don't know. It's really, it's hard to, it, it would take a really long time to really like fully unpack everything with Bishop, but it's like, you know, like you said, no one can take away what he did with WCW. Like that's undeniable. Like, I mean, yep. 83 weeks beating WWE and I was a kid as a WCW fan. Like I, I tried to tell you the story about me meeting Eric Bischoff and not even be able to get a word out. Cause I was like, it was like meeting God, you know, I was like, I can't believe I'm talking to Eric Bischoff right now. Like this is, I, like he, he, he was responsible for WCW pretty much, which is like my whole childhood. Like, I can't believe I'm talking to this guy. And now it's just kind of like, it's like he either can't, I don't know if he can't accept that he doesn't know much as much about wrestling as he thinks he does, or I, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like the track record proves itself. You had all the success over 20 years ago with Ted Turner's money and the biggest stars in wrestling at the time. Yep. And TNA was a gigantic flop when they came in. Like they, yep. like, like they, him and Hogan pretty much ruined that company for like yeah. an extended amount of time. Like they came in and, and you know, but they came in and they, they changed how everything worked and they, they basically reset the company and they gave you like, they gave you, you know, Jeff Hardy and Rob Van Dam, but then they mixed it in with the nasty boys, Val Venus and like Orlando Jordan. Orlando Jordan. Like, it was just like this big, just mess that made no sense whatsoever, you know. And it was like the Orlando Jordan, like, like spraying lotion all over himself and his opponents, right. like sexually, like way before that was like, you know, and that's debatable. Obviously, like you know, the audience that wants to see that just in general, but it's one of those things that's like back then, especially like that audience wasn't they like they rejected that so much you could see something like in like gcw if Effie did something like that like it, that's that like th that would work in that fan base but like right. at the time that orlando jordan was doing it for tna it just like it was like you all just don't know your audience at this right. point like you know and yeah it was so weird like, made so aj styles like a rick flair protege like the whole yeah. thing was just a mess it was so weird so so my my point is eric bischoff was super disconnected even then from what the wrestling fans wanted just based on his run with impact alone and then he clearly added no real value to the wwe when he went back because he he came and went and they were like this is pointless we're just gonna go and let him go um so i just don't know what he what sense of like entitlement i guess he feels that he like he he's somebody who one million percent has has a right to have an opinion on pro wrestling like don't don't get me wrong like i say this about guys like jim Cornette and dave Meltzer and a whole bunch of people like regardless of what you think about any of these people for whatever reasons they are allowed to have their opinions on pro wrestling i i right eric bishop knows more about pro wrestling than i do like it, it, i'm not i'm not comparing myself to him i'm just saying but at the end of the day it's like 
I don't think Eric Bischoff has any idea what professional wrestling fans actually want. And he never has. And he just, he just kind of, he's probably giving advice to people that aren't taking his advice and he's butthurt about it. Right. Is kind of how it feels to me. So. Yeah. I'm with you. And, and like I said, these guys keep getting proven wrong. And it, and, and, and as the three years have come on, they're getting louder and louder and more upset about it. Right. Like I said, your, your disco infernos, your, your Eric Bischoff's, your Jim Cornette's like they all were like, you know, this is going to be a flash in the pan. They're going to run out of money. They don't know what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. And like, here we are, you know, million dollar over a million dollar gate at double or nothing at the T-Mobile arena um immediate sellout for the forbidden door like this this isn't what you thought it was going to be it's far more successful than you ever thought it was going to be and yet you keep trying to nitpick ratings when cord cutting and and all that stuff has changed the game forever and it's just about i mean like i said if you if, if you compare just wcw i mean your options were you watched a vhs cassette or you found out, found something that was on cable. Now you have every streaming service in the world. You have every video game system you want. You have whatever you want. Even YouTube. You could kill 24 hours on YouTube if you want to. Because it, after you got one video, here's another recommendation. And so on and so on and so on. So I mean, it's just, you're not, you're not speaking of the common era. You're speaking about what it was like for you, but not what it is now. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I uh, this is what it is for Eric Bischoff. Like I'll just reiterate, he has every right in the world to publicly have an opinion on wrestling, but I I don't think he has any idea what the AEW fan base really wants. And I don't. If I was AEW, I wouldn't take his advice. So yeah, I'm with you there. Um, another super chat for Alex Fitzgerald. Appreciate it, man. Uh, what do you think about Freddie Prince Jr. trying to start a wrestling company? Um, so for me, I, I've heard like interviews of Freddie Prince Jr. I think it's pretty wild that he chose this path because he was like this, like Hollywood heartthrob and like in like romantic comedies and like all the women had crushes on him and stuff. And this is kind of what he ended up doing being like that. And he also was like canon in, um, uh, Star Wars, uh, rebels and he's um he's done he's really part of nerd culture he's more of a guy that i'm not the biggest fan of of some of the things that he says on certain things i think that he and i think that he thinks that he is bigger than what he is but i do think he has an interesting story i do think he has an interesting idea of what pro wrestling is it's also one of those things that like, this isn't going to be necessarily like a company that you are going to be tuning in every week to. This is more so going to be like a local indie. So I would say it's more like going to be kind of think of like a PWG run by Freddie Prince Jr. And he probably would have like Macaulay Culkin come in and make like guest appearances. And he would have crazy stuff like more Dan Housen, Orange Cassidy, fun stuff, off the wall stuff. I think he's much more into comedy than I would want. 
Um, I think it would be a very mixed bag, but I wouldn't take it seriously as in like a guy that's about to like get a wrestling company and like start to be like a top number three or anything like that. I think this is more of a passion project that he would want to do that really is just focusing on like a local area in California to run an independent promotion. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it'll probably be more of something like that. Like, I mean, it's I don't see it being anything like an AEW or anything remotely close to something like that. But I could see it being more of like a PWG type thing, especially I'm pretty sure he lives in California. So like he's probably yep. trying to find yeah something where people are just kind of out and about and like just hear there's wrestling up the street kind of stuff. Um, I saw him like literally driving around looking for places and like trying to book buildings and, and things like that. Like that's, yeah. but he said like he came back to work just so he could do this. Like he's that passionate about it. He wants to do it. Um, it'd be what? interesting. But like I said, I wouldn't think like this isn't Conrad trying to start a wrestling company. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, at least he, you know, has a little bit of history with being like a writer for the WWE and like, he's a longtime wrestling fan. I know he's a longtime like martial artist, or at least claims to be, because I know he's talked about, yeah, he's a godson of a godson of Bob Wall, who was like Gene LaBelle protege and stuff like that. Like, I just remember him talking to Ariel Hawani about that a, few, a couple yep. of years ago on his show. So at least he has like a knowledge and respect of like combat sports and like, pro wrestling and stuff i i i i don't doubt that he is he is a longtime fan of these things at the very least so i think it's cool that he wants to get in with pro wrestling i mean good for him you know i i have, I have no problem with him giving it a shot and and creating a new place for uh for wrestlers to go get a payday and stuff like that like that's it's probably going to be a good thing having him around but my expectations are very much that of yeah maybe he'll run some some indie shows and Hey, maybe he'll have connections and the kind of resources to have some sort of TV deal or like streaming uh, deal worked out or something. Good for him. I, I have nothing against him doing it. I could kind of see it to where like each event would be on fight, right? Like each yeah. event that he does would be on fight and it would be like a local indie out in California, probably like LA. And uh, I, it, I think it's good for other wrestlers to have opportunities to be frequently booked and all that stuff. Like I don't have a problem with that at all. So I had a yeah. question real quick. Um, GCW and IWTV, they did come to an agreement with their lawsuit, right? Yeah. So Brett was saying this is now going to allow them to be like bigger and do more things and all like what what do you think he's talking about? I'm honestly not 100% sure because I don't know how long the deal runs. So like I... To my understanding, and I haven't looked at it in a couple of weeks, but it was like I, the main thing was that, well, outside of the money, of course, which was like half a million dollars, and they they had to figure some sort of settlement out with like the money, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, IWTV will air, I believe it was eight GCW shows over the next year. I think it was. Um, and but like that doesn't mean they're going to be exclusive to IWTV either though. So like that's that's where it's going to be interesting. Is like I think they yeah. are still running on Fight and they can still run on YouTube. I think a big point of contention with this whole thing was that Fight Forever twenty four hour stream. Like they decided to do that while IWTV had exclusive streaming rights and IWTV was like, 
no, you, you owe us all this money because of all the subscriptions we would have gotten. Like that was supposed to be on our platform, not for free on YouTube. And I think that's what caused a lot of the issues initially. Um, I, I don't know. As, as, a, as a fan, I love it. I would much rather pay $10 a month for IWTV and just get all GCW shows and have to pay Fight TV $20 plus or whatever for you know each weekend or $12 per show or whatever we usually pay to watch GCW. Like I would, as a fan, I, I, I wish everything for GCW went through IWTV. So, yeah, um, for sure. Well, but they were saying that like, there's going to be a certain, like maybe eight shows that they agreed to do for them. And they, they're going to call it the settlement, which is just so GCW. <laughs> but um, I was just curious, like, it, it, it sounds like to me, it's not really they're relying on I, IWTV to get bigger. It's like now that that's past them, they can do bigger shows, bring in maybe bigger wrestlers, whatever the case may be. So like, that's kind of how I took it at least. And they are bringing in Will Ospreay June nineteenth to face yeah. Nick Wayne, so which is that's incredible. Sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, that could almost that could that could even be as simple as like they were operating the last you know six months or whatever as like in, in a way of thinking like we might owe half a million dollars. Right. Out of UTV. Like, and now they're going to be like, like, let's just spend the shit. Yeah. Now we have a half a million dollars that we don't have to give to IWTV. Yeah. So, like, um, but like I've said throughout the whole thing, you know, with I, I'm, I don't really, I have a hand in both cookie jars. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of both sides. Like, I'm a huge right. game changer wrestling fan. I'm a huge IWTV fan. My code right above me, Code Fight Talk, IWTV. Obviously, I, I love both parties in this whole thing. So, I'm just glad they got something figured out. And like I said, like I, I loved it for that short time where everything for GCW was I, IWTV. Like that was a sweet like handful of months where it was just ten bucks a month, and along with all my other wrestling, I also got GCW. Like that was so. I hope. I mean, I want more of that. You know, I, I get they're going to diversify and they're going to be all over. But like I said, best case scenario for me would be them figuring something out to go exclusive with IWTV again. Get off of Fight TV. Uh, don't deal with let let do JCW on on YouTube and just IWTV for GCW. That would be so great for the fans, but right, yeah. probably not as lucrative. So I, I get it, but yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, which I understand too. I'm not like upset with Brad or GCW for wanting to do what makes them the most money either. Like I, you know, no, I, I totally, I totally get it. But yeah, I agree. Um, let's just get into UFC 274, so we still have some time. Um. Really, it's it, it comes down to the three fights, and yeah. uh, I mean Chandler Ferguson, dude. Like, you want to talk about a full punt to the chin? I mean, just absolutely brutal, crumbled him, and that's one of those knockouts where, like, I don't think your chin's ever going to be the same after that thing. Like it's one of those things where like Chuck, like the Chuck Rashad, right? Right on the button. Chuck was never the same after that knockout. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. That's, that's one of those just scary. Not only is it a scary knockout, it's a scary knockout of a guy similar to Chuck Liddell that like this really wasn't happening to until recently. And now it's getting like really brutal. Um, the sad thing, the, the rock in a hard place that someone like Ferguson's going to find himself in, though, is he can still beat 
the lower half of the top 10, probably top 15. Like he's, he's still good enough to be competitive in the UFC, yeah. but, but he's risking getting knocked out like that against the top tier guys. And like, that's, yep. you know, that's gotta be scary. I mean, he was, but what, but what he was I was saying, there. what I was saying is speed was going to be a factor and he got caught before he even saw it. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's not even a punch. That was a kick. And, uh, it, it was super impressive. I mean, I think Chandler has been an absolute home run signing for the UFC. And to me, the fight that makes the most sense now is him and Conor McGregor. Like, I just think that's the fight fight to make because I think Conor getting a title shot in, in either spot is ridiculous at this point. And it's not ridiculous in the sense of like, he he wouldn't earn it as a top star because he is a top star, but it's not even believable that he could win. Like he's not beating Oliveira, and he's damn sure not beating Usman. So like, why are we even bothering, right? But like a Chandler, I mean, you saw Tony Ferguson drop him. You know, it basically almost every fight that Chandler's been in, besides the Dan Hooker fight, he's gotten dropped. So we know that Connor hits hard. And it would be an exciting fight for his lever long as it lasts. So I, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, that, that seems to be what most fans want. And I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, it makes sense. I I mean, I think Connor, here's the thing with Connor is like if I'm Connor, I'm just I'm just taking more more winnable fights. Like I, I right. you know, like I because you're gonna I, make money regardless, right? Exactly, and like he, I think he can beat Chandler, but I think Chandler can obviously beat him as well. And I think Chandler right. probably, if they fight ten times, Chandler probably wins like at least seven out of those ten, probably, yep. you know, um, if not more. But it, but Connor, I mean, that's the thing. Like you said, though, I don't think Connor wants anything to do with Charles Oliveira. Like, yep. uh, even he's kind of like that on Twitter where he won't outright say it, but he's like, I'm feeling pretty good at 170. Like, I don't know about... I'm built like, like a refrigerator right now. I don't think I can cut the weight. Yeah, and it's like... But if Justin Gaethje won that fight, like you'd be like, I'm already down at 155. I'm ready to go. Like, um, but... Well, and th- this is this is the thing, too, though, that that with Connor that we, that we really need to just acknowledge, right? At 145, he was hell on wheels because he hit so hard for that weight class, right? At 155, it was getting a little bit more even, but he still had power. At 170, he is not the same at all. Like, he doesn't have the same power. He doesn't have that advantage that he had. So, all these fights he's talking about at 170, he wants to fight Chandler at 170, you know, all those Nate Diaz fights at 170, it, fighting Usman, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> he doesn't have a prayer, right? And at 155, he just doesn't have the same crack. I mean, yeah, he hit Dustin Poirier, he hurt him. I think he has the ability to hurt guys. But, like, at 145, he was putting people away. And that's not happening anymore. Yeah, no, I mean that that's true, but also most of the guys he's trying to fight at, at welterweight are lightweights, you know. So it's a little different. Like him, him fighting Usman, that's a whole other animal. Oh, I mean, that's that's I mean. that's 
he has no chance of beating Kamaru Usman. No. Um, but but he has a but he could beat all these other guys, I think, potentially at 170. I think I think like let me put it this way, I think he has a better chance of winning at 155 against Chandler than he does sorry, at 170 than he does against Chandler than, than at 155, only because I think he's probably real comfortable at 170 right now because he's done it a couple times. He's probably walking around closer to that weight. These other guys would have to like put on weight and not cut. It might, you know what I mean? It might throw them off a little bit to be bigger and like they're going to be a little bit slower also. And Connor might be more comfortable. And I like, because otherwise, I don't know why Connor wouldn't just be calling these people out at 155 and just be fighting them at 155. Um, I think he's trying to find anywhere he could possibly have any kind of advantage over these guys and not have to fight them at 155 where they're going to be at their most optimal. So, yeah. I, I, but I don't know. I, I, you know, I think that him and Chandler make sense, but him and him and Nate makes even more sense. But I, I it looks like they're trying to do Nate and Kamzat Chemaev, and I, I, you know, who knows? In all honesty, what's probably going to happen is Connor's just probably going to get a title shot at, at welterweight or light heavy or lightweight. Like it'll just, just when when it, the Connor's opponent is the biggest opponent's ego, according to Romeo. Yeah, I mean it's. But here's the thing with Connor is like I don't even have a problem with it, like where he's at because the guy like. The heights that he reached in MMA and what he did to bring eyes into the sport, like he has served his purpose. Like, oh, for sure. You know, so it's like, I, I feel like he has earned this spot that he's in to where he can kind of just pick and choose who he wants to fight and in what weight class and all this stuff because I mean, he's a star. And, and I agree, but like, dude, which funeral do you want? Because you're going to get your ass kicked. So it's like, which do you want winnable fights or do you want to just get destroyed? And then how viable are you after that? You know what I mean? Right. He needs to fight people or he should want to fight people that are that are winnable with the, the most winnable fights with the biggest names possible. So like Nate Diaz, obviously, that one makes the most sense because it's a winnable yep. fight and Nate Diaz is a huge star. Um, Dustin Poirier. It's a he's beaten him before, huge star. I mean, I don't think we need to see it a fourth time, but like it's possible. Right. Um, Chandler, that's super risky. And Chandler yeah. also isn't nearly as big of a name as Dustin Poirier and and Nate Diaz. Um, you know, that's what he has to factor in. Like, in all honesty, I'm kind of surprised he isn't just calling out like Tony Ferguson, just being like, You talked all this shit for all these years, and now you're out there getting your your ass kicked. Like, you want a big payday, me and you finally do this. Maybe you know? that was the game plan, but then he got his head kicked off. Right, right. But so. but, he, but even then, like, I mean, but I get it too, the perception of like, but Connor's also been losing fights. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. I But see, I think the benefit for Connor is that he's been away because right. of an injury. So it's like, you can start to build up in your mind again that you're like, yeah, he has a shot. He could do this. It's not like you've seen him lose just constantly like two or three times in a year, right? Like and, you can start to bring in your mind that like, oh yeah, Connor's coming back and he's going to be different and you know, all that crap. And, and outside of Habib, who's retired and Oliveira, who's just on a completely different level than everyone else right now. Yep. Everyone else we're talking about between Connor and the title is lost since he's been gone. So like yep. Dustin's had his shot and lost and Gaethje's had his shot and lost and you know, um, Pretty much anybody who would between be in the rankings, like between Connor, uh, Islam Mahachev is like really the only exception, and he will most likely be Oliveira's next fight, I think. But I think he still has to fight Darius. I think they're going to still make him do that. So, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that. But okay. um, 
But yeah, so to me, I want to see Connor Chandler. I think that makes the most sense. And I do think that Chandler winning impressive and then cutting a promo that does have Connor's name on it. You know, he also called out Oliveira and Gaethje, but that's where you can just immediately show that on the commercial. That's where you can immediately show it on the countdown show. Then you have Connor's response and then the whole thing's on, right? Connor so, and Oliveira, you're saying? No, Connor and, and oh, Chandler. Chandler, gotcha. Because Oliveira also called out Connor. Right, right. But yeah, yeah, I gotcha. And on top of that is uh, Chandler has been very respectful towards Connor. Always said how big of he was for the sport and all this stuff. And I think that does matter somewhat to Connor. Like if Connor's going to give you the red panty night, he doesn't want to give it to somebody that he doesn't think deserves it or he thinks that it's like, you, you blew your chance because you took it too far or whatever, right? So I personally think it could be Chandler. Dana seems on board with that as well. But I've heard that Connor might not be back all the way from like till January or March. So none of this might happen. And then we could possibly see Chandler versus Nate Diaz because that has been thrown around because it sounds like Chemayev might have pulled out due to injury or something because Nate was putting him on blast. Because it sounds like that was going to be the fight, and then Shamayev's not going to be able to fight now. So maybe it's Chandler and Nate. And I mean, I like that fight too. So it's all good to hear. So I listen. At the end of the day, if Michael Chandler's fighting, you're going to get a hell of a fight. That's just basically what it's come down to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Speaking of not hell of a fight, yeah, we're not going to take much time on this. Plus, I only got about five more minutes before I get yeah. crash, but. Yeah, this, this, I'm so glad that I was like reviewing Impact during. So, I so I I had the fight on in my living room, and I could see the I could see the screen from where I was. So as I was like talking to Joel on Fightful, I'm like looking over, and so like I saw the the Ferguson and Chandler, or sorry, the uh, the the Chandler knocking out Ferguson, and I just like had to no sell it on on screen. So I'm like looking at him like, oh my god what was that oh my god and like our group chat for like our uh for our picks was like going off and i was like yeah oh my god like but then i you know i i know that as far as and rose is happening but i can't really can't really follow it too much and, and my stream ended uh in like the third round of the fight or something i go out to the living room and my my brother and my stepbrother are out there and i'm like how's this fight going they're like this fight blows they're like this wow. is so bad and yeah, I, I wound up rewinding it and like watching it. And yeah, it, uh, yeah, there's really not a whole lot we can talk about other than, I mean, you were basically, you were right. Like as far as a grinded or out, well, I don't even want to say like grinded or out. She, just, that, no. she did, a, she did a little bit more, but it was super boring. And as far as a, has beaten Rose twice now. And it's been, it's been a carousel of like Rose beating Joanna multiple times and, and Zhang beating Joanna multiple times, but as far as a beating Rose and Joanna beating, you know everyone uh, else and it's pretty wild you know what rose kind of reminds me of she kind of reminds me of like vitor belfort like which which vitor are you gonna get you know what i mean and right. rose is kind of that way too because the reason that the fight wasn't anything is because rose was so in scared and intimidated by carla's wrestling that she just didn't even want to engage and she wanted the easy way out of just being able to kind of pick her apart on the outside. And she's clearly the better athlete. Like Carla's fighting, standing up, like her stand up is completely flat footed. 
Like this should, if she's just willing to go out there and go after her, I think she could have won the fight. And uh, she didn't choose to do that. And then I don't know if you noticed, a lot of people didn't, but like she was starting to take off her gloves. Like, oh, and she wanted to retire. She's very emotional. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And so, like, when they were about to announce, when they announced the decision, she was she was ready to take off her gloves. She started pulling the tape, and then she walked back. So, and then she's talking about how horrible of a person she feels on Twitter, and like all these women are coming to like comfort her and everything. And I just think that's just gonna be Rose, man. Like, there's gonna be times where she's gonna have amazing performances and look incredible and there's gonna be times where you know because at the end of the day like she has she like tells herself she's the best she has to keep telling herself she's the best like there's there's something mentally there and so i i don't know and the problem is now i mean carla as far as is your champion is rough that is a rough deal yeah, I'm pretty confident though that the winner of Yoana versus Zhang too will fight her, and yeah. whoever wins that will probably win the title. I mean, her. I would even like look at like if Andrade wanted to move up or something. Like, I think she could beat her. Like, I I think there's a lot of possible people that would probably be willing to move up even to take that. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. When wasn't Andrade's last? Fight. I think she went back up to strawweight in her last one, didn't she? Um, she yeah, I think she went back up to against Amanda to... against Amanda Lemos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, and she yeah, and she choked her out with that standing arm triangle, which was insane. So right. yeah, no, no. I there there is. I mean, there are some killers at the top of that women's strawweight division. Um, I don't expect Carla Esparza to be the champion for very long um, with, with that list there. And that's why that title gets hot potatoed so much is because it's like yep. all of the top women can beat the other women on, you know, just depending on the, on the day. I mean, Rose, Rose, I, I, I want to say, didn't she like retire a couple of years ago or she was like talking about it right after she, she lost the title belt. Like she, you know, well, it I was think she's been on the fence for a long time. It was the whole Conor McGregor attacking the bus and she couldn't mentally get over that. Right. So, I mean, there's always been these type of things. It'll just be interesting to see what they do. But, I mean, I think that she could get another title shot the moment that Carla Esparza is no longer champion. They, they would probably book that. So, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom, but, man, just a bad situation. And then going into another bad situation with Oliveira missing by 0.5 pounds, I mean, I think the whole thing's ridiculous. I think he still should be champion. There, everyone clearly looks at him as the champion. I think what you're dealing with is a commission that normally doesn't really sanction a lot of fights in Arizona like this, and they were real sticklers on the weight. Like I feel like if it was a .5, I really feel like that. Like if that was done in Nevada, this thing's just moving on. Have a good day. On to the next. And. Um, because, I mean, I've never seen someone be 0.5 off and can't lose the weight in an hour. Like, I've just never yeah. seen that. And he did make weight on the digital scale. So, this the whole thing's kind of ridiculous. But a couple things. If he's getting older to the point to where he can't make weight much more, I mean, Oliveira versus Usman is very uh, tempting. Like, I, I love that fight. I would watch that fight. And... I mean, I think Charles Oliveira is just badass. Like, he's just awesome. And he, that 
that and what I love too is he didn't just get a takedown on Gaethje and then you know Gaethje couldn't get out from no, the it's, I know I know where you're going with this too. This, he's he's Diaz brothers, like he's he's like he's the evolved style of what they tried that what they right. evolved tried to do. Yeah, like dropped him, and then I thought for sure he was going for an arm bar that turned into a triangle choke that immediately was he had his back, and then it was just over. And I'm just like, my God. And like you know, he's got shoot a box stand up, you know, Vanderlei Silva type uh, damage with that. And it's like he gets rocked every fight. He gets dropped every fight. And then once you drop him, he is hell on wheels. Like have fun dealing with that. And so I, it sucks. Like you, you wish Khabib was still in the sport where they could really run that back because what would be interesting is Khabib would constantly want to put him on his back. And Charles is very dangerous on his back. So. Um, which makes the Islam fight interesting. And I think that should be the fight. And I think this whole, like, we don't have a champion right now and all that is just nonsense, but it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, and another big part of this obviously is that there was like 20 fighters that said that they were half a pound over what they thought they were like, there was clearly an issue with the scale. I don't know why they don't have some sort of check and balance worked out where like, if you're if that one scale is 0.5 over, but there's three other scales there that are all the same, like you go with the ones that are all consistent and not the one outlier scale. Um, and it was even the things that like I know Hawani was was tweeting some videos and stuff too, but it's like in most cases the dude's up there and they move the little thing on the scale to like the number it needs to be for like half a second and move it away, and they're like, yep, that was it, and like you just you just keep it going, like you were saying. This dude like puts the thing there and stares at it for like 30 seconds to a minute and, and waits for the thing to like go down a little bit and moves it a little bit more. And it's like, dude, then it was it was where it needed to be. You could have just yep. moved it and nothing would have happened. And also, we've seen this happen before with fighters where like people didn't make weight or the fight got canceled or something. They didn't lose their belts like and get stripped so fast either. Like part of me almost felt like it was. I don't believe it was a conspiracy. I'm not saying this, but, it, and my thing is like, if they wanted that belt off of Oliveira so they can get Connor into that title mix, like, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, because even if Gaethje would have won the title, Connor gets Gaethje next for sure. But, oh, with, but as long as definitely. Oliveira has that belt, like, Connor's not getting that belt. No. So, like, part of me was almost like, are they just going to screw him? Like almost like triple C where they just called his bluff and they're like, okay, you're retired. Give us our, give us our belt right now. Then and he's like, right. wait, I was going to use this to negotiate. It's like, nope, you're out. So you said you were out for him. It's like, you may, you miss wait one time for 0.5 on a scale that 20 people have had issues with. And all of a sudden it's like, well, give me the belt back right now. You lose, you lose the belt to the scale. It's like, yeah. Why wouldn't you just leave? I mean, and at the end of the day, too, I get you have to have the weight classes and, and these kind of things to, to keep, like, the consistency in the sport and to keep people at the same weights and all this. I, I get all these things, but, like, nobody cares about half a pound for a fight like this. Nobody. No. So no. it's – it's it was – yeah, it was just really unfortunate. Well, and it's, like, but, ridiculous, too. Like, Chandler will weigh a pound over, and it's, like, he may weight. And right. Oliver is half a pound. And, like I said – I mean, we see like Paulo Filio showed up seven pounds overweight for a title fight or eight pounds overweight. Like you can tell when they're just, they're not going to make it and they didn't do the right things. Half a pound. Well, what's really messed up about like the Paulo Filio situation was when he fought Chael Sonnen, 
Yep. Filio missed weight by like seven pounds, like you said. Yep. And Sonnen made weight, and Sonnen yep. still wasn't eligible to win the title, and Filio right. did not have to give his title up. Right. But so Gaethje like, would have won the title if he'd have beat him. That's exactly what I'm saying. So like, why is it? Why is this changed? Like, well, like they know? were saying, there's no rules in the actual commission where the title would like the title cannot be on the line for Oliveira. That is a UFC rule. That is not what like they were forced to do. So right, right now, technically he still could be champion. So in my opinion, what they should have done is do like a more of a heavy fine and something like that, but he's still the champ. Like you're just wasting time and then you're going to have to negotiate pay-per-view points. And if you don't give it to him, he'll refuse to fight. And then you'll end up with a, um, interim belt and all that other nonsense when none of this stuff is necessary. Yeah, I, I think I I read though that like he is getting pay per view points for this one, and I'd imagine he'll get them for the next one, whether he's going in as the champion or not. He's, but, but, he's getting them for this one, but then when they brought it up to Dana, he's like, "We'll see about the next one." Uh, like, that's so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, why even? Why why get in this position with your fighters? Like, especially like your top fighters in their prime right now. Like these. Right. I mean, I'm not over here. You know, I'm I'm very pro fighter and a very pro pro wrestler and stuff. I, I I tend to side with the talent over the companies in most situations. But like, right? You know, what these these are like these are your cash cows. Like Charles Oliveira is champion right now. Like you couldn't ask for a better scenario after Habib retired. Like you got yep. you 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 fell right into another guy who can carry the division like Habib could. Like yeah, well, and then it's gonna get to the point to like let's say he beats Islam, right? Then we're looking at a guy that a lot of people are going to start to believe he'd beat Khabib too. Right. You know what I mean? And then that that's when things get heated up and is, does Khabib actually say, screw this, I'm coming back? You know? So right. there, there's there's a lot of things on the table, and I just don't think you want to be in a beef with Charles Oliveira over something like this. I agree, especially when you got all these other guys. And I mean, Ferguson's got a beef. Uh, I mean, obviously, yep. he's, he's not going to have a lot of leverage now, but he- – that was but, the wrong speech on the wrong day to give yeah. that. Like you, you need to make sure you won that fight. In the post-fight presser, you could have went in, but man. Ugh. But hell, I mean, Francis Ngannou, your your heavyweight champion, is in this spot right now. I mean, there's like yep. there's multiple people who should, you know, they shouldn't have to be dealing with this, and the UFC should just they should be treating their their stars and the people that they really value better than they do, and. Uh, but here's the thing. I, I think I do think that Mahachev should be next. I don't think that he should have to fight Dariush. Um, but I do think he'll be the next challenger because I do think he'll beat Dariush if and when they do fight. I'll say this. I don't know if you watched Dan's post-fight press on it, but he said that Rogan talked to him in the back and told him that he thinks that Islam should fight Charles Oliveira. And then Dana said that he's considering not doing Islam and Dariush now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that I mean, that... That is what they should do. They should just do Mahachev versus Oliveira. But I'll say, like what you said, as we kind of wrap up, is that's, I mean, Oliveira, when I see him fight, it's like this is the blueprint that Nick Diaz was, like, putting together for, like, most of his career. Like, that style of fighting, the only difference is Oliveira can drop you with one punch and the Diaz brothers, it, it usually would be an accumulation. Oliveira would, can fight the same style, but he can knock you out with any of those punches too. I would also say Oliveira is far more athletic as well. Like yeah, they were for sure. in way better shape, but like Oliveira is an athletic freak. 
Yeah, but you know what I mean. Just that style. No, I know of, exactly like, what yeah, you mean. Yeah, piecing someone up on the feet, and the second they hit the ground, it's it's just over because their submissions, the submission game is just gonna. Like be... if you're not a hundred percent aware of what's going on, you're done. And, yeah. and like you said, like if he gets you rocked, it's over. You're not getting out of that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and like I've been saying the last you know f- you know few years, I I I think Charles. I'd have to look at the whole roster and I, I, I mean, Usman, I understand the argument for Usman, but like, for me, I think Charles Oliveira is the best fighter in the UFC right now at any weight class. Like, like just the way that he's doing this to people and the way that he's, even though he gets hit, he gets hit and then he's, then he kicks your ass. I mean, it's yeah. like, it'd be different. If he was getting hit and just getting knocked out. Like, I mean, in the fact, I mean, he's been in the UFC for like over a decade. He's still only like yeah. 32 years old. He has all these records. I actually I wrote a video for All Things MMA that came out the other day too. If anyone wants to watch it, it's about the rise of Charles Oliveira. And I mean, this guy holds so many UFC records and submission records and fight of the nights and all this stuff. And he's like just now hitting his prime, which yeah. is like, I mean, yeah. So I yeah, I'm a huge Charles Oliveira fan. I think he beats Mahachev as well. I mean, I don't I don't think any of these guys beat him. And uh Habib's the only person I would have any reservations about like choosing against against Oliveira, but um yeah i don't see anyone at 155 that's currently active that i think has a chance against especially right in five rounds like i think if islam maybe had three rounds he might be able to out wrestle him for a couple of rounds and find a way but in five rounds i think that no matter what Oliveira is going to eventually get something and, and finish him yeah yeah we'll see i mean he's definitely the best stylistic matchup because you know but like like you said I think he's going to try to want to put Charles on his back and Charles yep. is totally cool with being on his back. So like, mm-hmm. um, I think if you want to stand with him, then good luck. Yeah. I think Oliver uh, has way better hands. So, yep. and that's only come over the last couple of years, like since he changed camps and stuff. I mean, he's, he, his, his evolution as a striker has, because not only is he going out there and like showing improved striking, he's knocking out like the fact that he's, I mean, I, you know, he technically submitted, you know, uh, Gaethje and he submitted Chandler as well, I believe. I know he really messed him up on the feet, though. Um, but the way that he's just going out there and taking people out that are such high level strikers that are just known for striking and he's out striking these people and putting them in these vulnerable positions and, and, just, pretty, and just beating them. I'm pretty sure he finished Chandler, TKO. No, he, I know he finished him. I couldn't remember if it was a submission or a. Or no, a like I said, I, I think he like TKO'd him where he couldn't continue. And it was. It was a TKO. You're right. Yep. I, I just double checked. It was Poirier that was, yeah, Poirier he yep. choked out Poirier, as well. Yep. yep. Poirier got it. Um, but he messed both, all those guys up on the feet before he finished yep. them. You know, I mean, it's like that's. Um, so yeah, shout out Charles Oliveira. And then on the bottom here, the next pay per view is going to be um, Shevchenko is going to defend her title against. Why am I blanking on her opponent? I don't. I don't know her name honestly. Who is she fighting? I forgot. And Glover Teixeira is taking on Yuri Prohaska. I know that. Yep. Um, it is. I can't remember who Shevchenko is fighting. I'm about to pull it up. It is. Oh, Talia Santos. Yeah. I, who did she just beat? Not oh, no. she's the one who just beat Joanne Wood, and she beat Roxy before that. Yeah, they're 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 just in a position where they're just. Scraping the bottom. Yeah, Joanna's beaten everybody ranked ahead of her. So it's like just getting down to who hasn't she beat yet. So, um, but hey, 
that's that's the next pay-per-view coming up. We'll talk about that more as we get to it. It's about a month out. Um, yep. But yeah, uh, that that's probably a good time to wrap the show up. All right, man. Well, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Appreciate it. Uh, if you guys haven't, please smash that like button. Um, like I said, if you want to, you can support the channel now uh, just by watching and uh, sending a thanks uh, donation. We'd appreciate that uh, always. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week. So, we guys, we'll catch you next week. Follow me on Twitter. Lately, I've been in the mood to follow people back. So, if you follow me on Twitter, I'll follow you back. Don't know how long it'll last, so take advantage of it. And uh, check us out on Instagram as well. Got all the meet and greets up on there um, that you can check out. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we'll be back next week. Steven, you got anything you want to plug? Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter, FightTalk underscore, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. Use code FightTalk on IWTV. And uh, FightfulSelect.com, I had uh, an interview with Baron Black just go up, and it's completely for free. So even if you're not subscribed to Fightful Select, you can listen to my interview with Baron Black from Battle Slam Vendetta. It's an audio interview. It's like seven minutes long. And uh, check that out. Battle Save Vendetta, the main event's on right now for free on Fight TV. If you want to go watch the rest of that, now that me and Doug are wrapping up, um, check it out. And um, yeah, that's everything I got. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern on next Tuesday, right here for live rounds. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Live Rounds. Make sure you leave a like, leave a comment, and donate to Steven Jensen. He will read out your donations on the next week's show. Also, don't forget to follow Doug Bateman and Steven Jensen on Twitter. And if you like what you heard tonight, check out more Live Rounds episodes.